This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. He was going the right way. Cohen, all the way. Touchdown, Chicago. Levine, he goes right by. Stop it, Samson. Did you not get the memo? He didn't come for the massage. He came for the facial. Oh, my goodness. Chicago's Game Day. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Good morning. Welcome on in. Fred Hubner with you for the next three hours. We'll be talking, ooh, Cubs. Tough loss yesterday, especially with the Cardinals sweeping a doubleheader. Big game for the Cubs today. You Darvish taking the bump out of Wrigley Field. We'll talk Northside baseball. Jesse Rogers will join us around 930. The return of Ben Zobrist. We'll get to that and much, much more. The White Sox. Oh, my Lord. Wouldn't it be nice if they got a... They, I think they've given up 10, 10, and 11 runs the last couple of games. Dylan Cease got rocked the other day. And last night, Ronaldo Lopez didn't make it out of the first inning. We'll talk a little bit of White Sox baseball. Josh Nelson will join us from the Sox machine later in the show around 11.30. And the Bears made their final cuts yesterday. Some surprising, only because these are the only guys we saw in the preseason. And we said, oh, maybe this guy can make the team. And maybe we forgot all the guys that are sitting down getting ready for the Green Bay Packers. So the roster is now set. So... Green Bay coming in Thursday. We'll talk a little Bears football and the NFL. Just a crazy day in the NFL yesterday. Had to be one of the weirdest cutdown days around the National Football League. Not necessarily for who was cut, but trades that were made. Uh, the Houston Texans improving their team. LaShawn McCoy going back to play for Andy Reid. All kinds of weird stuff in the National Football League. We'll talk about that. We won't talk much college football because years ago people told me, talk about what you know. So we won't talk much college football. There was a lot of it yesterday. You heard some in the uh, sports centers. You'll hear more top and bottom of the hour. More football to be played today. I think Oklahoma goes plays tonight. And uh, tomorrow will be uh, Notre Dame against Louisville. We'll have that for you right here on ESPN 1000. So it's going to be NFL, Major League Baseball, Cubs, White Sox. And your phone calls always welcome. 312-332-3776. Fred Hubner with you. You can get to me on Twitter at Fred underscore Hubner. We got some Twitter polls out there for you. Get to them in just a second. First, a recap of what happened yesterday. And I said yesterday, it was a throwaway line by me. I wanted to see if I got any reaction. And nobody reacted to it yesterday. But I said, the Cubs, and I was talking about the Cub game yesterday, I said, on their way to win an eight in a row. And nobody said anything. No reaction, no comment. I was, I thought, you know, I'd get something. Cubs had a four-game winning streak going into yesterday. It was Zach Davies going against Cole Hamels. And I said, well, you know, this is a perfect time. They've got two more with Milwaukee. Milwaukee's really struggling. They're not where they want to be 
four or five games behind the Cubs. They're dropping down a little bit in the wild card standings. I know everybody says it's still going to be these teams down the stretch. I know Madden said it again yesterday also. I'm not so sure that Milwaukee's going to be a participant in this. And you look at it, I thought they'd win yesterday. You Darvish is hot. They'll win today. And then Seattle comes to town. And come on, really? The way the Cubs have been playing. But so often, and I've said it, again, it sounds silly. The Cubs almost need to win home runs to win. Caratini hit two against the ground. They win four to one. Uh, you had a bunch of guys hitting homers the other day. Castellanos with two, Hap with one. Cubs winning a route on Friday. Okay, no problem. But yesterday, uh-uh, six hits total. The return of Anthony Rizzo, that was a good thing. He got two hits, should have had a third hit. He had a line shot over second base that Arcia grabbed and laid on the uh, grass in the outfield for a little while. And Rizzo probably felt that way too because it was a rocket. Nice to have Anthony Rizzo back because Anthony Rizzo puts the bat on the ball. He had two hits, almost had another one. Cole Hamels had a hit. The Cubs had only six for the whole game. And that was not enough to win yesterday because early in the contest, problems happened. Cole Hamels struggled a bit early. Had a guy on base, walked a couple of guys, and Pena comes to the plate. That'll get in there, and the Brewers are going to get two. Gamble and Yelich, and it's two to nothing. And Pena comes through in this spot. At the end of the bat, didn't hit it very hard, but he placed it perfectly. Now, what, what Len Casper said there on NBC Sports Chicago is exactly what Joe Madden loves to see. He didn't hit it very hard, but he placed it perfectly. That's all that Joe Madden has been asking the Cubs to do forever. Now, I thought some good things were happening because I saw Addison Russell do it a couple times in New York. I actually saw Javi Baez do it yesterday. Javi's been swinging and missing a lot lately, and he had a single to right field. I'm going, okay, Javi's good when he goes the other way. The Cubs as a team are good for the most part when they go the other way. Uh, but you get a little homer happy, and they were homer happy the last three games before that. And uh, yesterday, nothing happening. For Cole Hamels, he did not pitch badly at all. After those two runs in the first, that was it. He went six innings, allowed five hits, just those two runs. He walked three, two of those right there in that first inning. And Joe Madden said, yeah, it was definitely a tough loss. I mean, we, we hit the ball actually pretty well today. That's a tough shutout. Um uh, give them credit. I mean, their defense, they, they do set up well. Uh, they have for a couple of years now. So you got to give them credit on defense. But overall, I can't say that we swung the bats poorly because we didn't. There was a lot of bad luck involved today. Uh, once Cole settled down, he pitched actually really well, and the bullpen was outstanding. So they just got us today, and uh, just got to come back and play tomorrow. Yeah, it's a big game today. I don't care what anybody says because the Cardinals had a doubleheader last night, won both games. The second one in a walk-off. They're losing 2-1 to one in the ninth inning to the Reds, and uh, they get a run scored. Uh, Harrison Bader with an RBI, and then they pinch hit Matt Carpenter. He gets an RBI single to right center and drives in Yadier Molina from second base, and the Cardinals go off on a walk-off with a 3-2 win and a series, a doubleheader sweep. Believe it or not, the Cardinals and the Reds have another doubleheader today. That's what happens late in the season. you got to make up games. You run it out of time. They've got another one. So it's a big game today. But as I mentioned, Cole Hamels pitched pretty well. 
Uh, that first inning, so unlike him to walk back-to-back guys, he was not happy. Crowd Mike, or the uh, field Mike, picked up a couple of his comments that we would not be able to repeat on the air. Uh, but Joe Madden talking about Hamill's start. You notice he got up to 92 several times today. I thought, uh, especially when he was out of the stretch, it looked like he stayed back or over the rubber longer. And with that, he was starting to find a little bit better rhythm. The changeup was a better pitch also. Um, so after that first inning where he was missing a little bit, I thought he just kept getting better. Uh, there's really, he could have sent him back out again, but I thought it was 96 after 6 was a good number after what he had gone through, flying back and forth, uh, the birth and everything else. Just that's, that's a good number, and we moved it on after that point. Yeah, he was going for paternity leave. He came back, pitched really well. The bullpen, Ryan, one inning, one hit, two strikeouts. Kinsler, one inning with nothing, and Wick with an inning. He gave up two hits, but he struck out two. The Brewers were unable to score. Final score, 2 nothing. The Cubs now, um, they are two and a half games back of the Cardinals in the division. They're four games up on the Brewers. And in the wild card standings, the Mets keep doing the Cubs favors. After the Cubs went to New York and swept New York, the Mets have taken two straight from Philadelphia. Phillies and Arizona both now three and a half games behind the Cubs in the wild card standings. Milwaukee and the Mets are four games back. So today's a big game. You Darvish going for the Cubs, the return of Ben Zobrist. And speaking of the return of Ben Zobrist, it's one of our Twitter polls today. Got a couple of them for you. Uh, Ben Zobrist return to the Cubs will help the Cubs or have no impact. Real simple. Ben Zobris return will help the Cubs or have no impact. You can find it on Twitter at ESPN 1000. And Ben Zobris hitting just 189 in 12 minor league games. The question is, is he going to be able to help at all? In that leadoff spot where the Cubs were hitting 205 going into yesterday's game. So you want to talk some Cubs baseball, 312-332-3776, Jesse, bottom of the hour. Uh, the White Sox, I turned them on, and it's like, I was getting ready to turn them on. I was doing some stuff. I go, okay, the game starts at 6. I'll be able to get get to it. Okay, it's 1-1. One, it's one, one. Oh, Sox scored in the first. That's great to see. Next thing, it's 3. It's 6-1. It's to one. How did that happen? It was not pretty as uh, the White Sox fell behind early. It was so bad that late in the first inning, Dallas Keuchel says, I'm going to get in the, uh, have some fun here with Ronaldo Lopez on the hill. He strokes one up the middle. That's going to score two more. Dallas Keuchel has helped the Braves take a 6-1 lead. Yeah, he's done all right. Ronaldo Lopez done. Highlights courtesy Fox Sports Atlanta. The golden tones of Chip Carey on the call as Dallas Keuchel gets a two-run single. And Lopez was done. Ronaldo Lopez, you cannot have two more different games than your last two outings. In his last outing before yesterday, he pitched five innings of hitless ball. He had to leave with a no-hitter because of illness and dehydration against the Rangers. Yesterday... He gets hit for six runs and six hits and no strikeouts in the first inning. He faced nine batters, and Dallas Keuchel, a 138 hitter, drives in the fifth and sixth runs on a single right past Lopez. That was brutal. 
Renteria talking about his pitcher. You know what? He has times where he starts off at 92, 93, 94, and sometimes it comes out at 97, 96. Um, kind of expect to see kind of both at some point in time. <clears throat> but today it might have been down, but I think that, uh, you know, he actually looked pretty good. Um, like I said, they, they strung together some good at-bats. Um, a few jam shot base hits, and then, you know, they, it just opened up. So, um We'll go back to the drawing board with him, see what's going on, and, and see if we can make a correction. That'd be nice to see after you had Dylan Cease the other day give up eight runs in two-plus innings, and now yesterday you had Lopez. And uh, the offense, I mean, they tried. They battled. Uh, they cut a 7-2 deficit to 7-5 to with a three-run seventh inning last night. And then what happens? Well, well, Stetweiler happened. He comes in, walks two guys, gives up a hit. Three runs. Kelvin Herrera comes in. He didn't do much better. So Atlanta gets uh, three in the seventh, one in the eighth, and goes on to an 11-5 victory over the White Sox. It is tough to watch right now because the pitching has been struggling. But if you're a White Sox fan, you get to watch Lucas Giolito go later on today, and that's well worth the price of admission for the people down in Atlanta. Giolito going against Julio Tehran. Giolito 14-7 and with a 3.20 ERA. One of the bright spots yesterday was Eloy Jimenez. He'd gotten two hits in a row in back-to-back games. Yesterday, he went one better. Three for five with an RBI. He's up to 247. Not hitting for the power right now, but he's hitting the ball, and that's important to see. You got to see him make some more contact, not strike out, put the bat on the ball, and he's been doing that of late, and that's good to see. So the White Sox get routed 11-5. to So White Sox fans, you want to talk about them? We got Josh Nelson, 11, 11.30 today. We will talk more about the White Sox. Yesterday was cut-down day around the National Football League. Now, a couple of years now, it's been one cut-down day. You keep your 90 guys the whole time. Don't worry about cutting guys after the first preseason, second preseason, third preseason. You can have them play all the way through, and you have your cut-down right before the first week of the year. So all the teams in the NFL yesterday cut down from 90 to their 53. And the Bears made their cuts yesterday. And there were some that were surprising, I think, to some people, only because of what we've seen of late. Um, With the Bears, we've been able to see some of these guys and say, hey, that guy's pretty good. Hey, he's good. Maybe he can make the team. Maybe he'll be a practice squad guy. We'll find that out today. Practice squads will come out throughout the course of the day. We'll have a list. If I'm not mistaken, the Bears yesterday were the last team in the NFL to actually officially announce their cuts. They were all supposed to be at 3 o'clock, and I'm I'm pretty sure I was looking at some of the Bears beat writers at like 4.45, and an official list had not come out as of yet. Um, yesterday, I know, they did eventually send one with all of their cuts, and uh, among the notables on offense, Tyler Bray, Ryan Nall, the running back, I kind of think that he's a guy they'll try to keep on the practice squad. Receivers, Marvin Hall, Thomas Ives, the kid out of Hinsdale Central, along with tight end Ian Bunting. Taquan Mizell and Tanner Gentry, who just who basically is the Tom Waddle of this year's Bears and the last couple of years' Bears. He catches balls when they throw them to him, and then they say, thanks for your help, and we're going to cut you. Also, Jesper Horstead, who has 
touchdown receptions in a couple games in the preseason. Alex Bars, the guard out of Notre Dame, he was cut. I would think they'd try to bring him back if possible. One of the surprises on defense, actually a couple surprises on defense. Jonathan Bullard, defensive end. It appears they're going to keep Nick Williams as a nose tackle, a backup nose tackle instead. Jonathan Bullard cut. Outside linebackers, Kylie Fitz, a guy that was a draft pick and really hasn't done much for him. James Vauders, who in the preseason games, he put some good stuff on tape. Good stuff out there for other teams to see. Maybe the Bears try to keep him on their practice squad. But what he did, maybe there's somebody out there looking for a linebacker that uh, might grab a James Vauders. We'll find that out. And cornerbacks, Clifton Duck. The little guy who actually came up with a couple of nice plays in the preseason. John Franklin and Steven Denmark, who was a draft pick for the Bears. He was not able to play due to an injury, so they let him go as well. So the Bears make their cuts. They've got their team, and now the Green Bay Packers are next. We've got some Twitter poll questions for you about the Chicago Bears. The Bears gear up for what's coming up next, and that is... The Green Bay Packers on Thursday night as we kick off the 100th season of Bears football. Among the questions for you out there, the ESPN Twitter poll, the key to the Bears beating Green Bay will be Trubisky in the offense or Mack in the defense. Pretty simple, one of those two. Then I made it a little more complicated for you. Bears MVP on Thursday night will be Trubisky. Mac, Cohen, or Pinheiro. That's right, Eddie Pinheiro. He made the roster. He's the Bears kicker. He's their Bears sole kicker. And if you didn't hear this, if you're Eddie Pinheiro, turn the radio off. Only if you're Eddie Pinheiro. Nobody else turned the radio off. But if you're Eddie Pinheiro, turn the radio off. Because you don't want to hear what your coach had to say when asked, if you would be the kicker for week one of the NFL season. This was Matt Nagy after the fourth and final preseason game on Thursday. Well, we're going to continue to work through it right now. We have a, we have a, a couple days here, and, um, you know, part of that answer right now from what, what I've seen is I've liked what I've seen. You know, so one of the things is, so he comes out and he misses that extra point, and right away everyone, you know, we all, we all uh, you know, one of those deals of uh, the – you know, here we go again. But what I thought was pretty powerful is that he came back and, and made the next kick and then made, made two more after that. So, um, it's, we talk about it's, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Um, I like the fact that he came back and made those. Um, it, it would have been, it, it would have been nice there at the end of the half too, to, to maybe get one a little bit longer, but that's how it goes as part of, we learn as a team that, you know, the false start there can take 10 seconds off the clock. So that's a teaching moment for us. Um, and and so, uh, you know, I like what he's done so far, and I'm, I'm proud of the kid. And you talked about knowing that he's not going to make every kick. Yeah. Do you have a sense of if he is your kicker in week one, how much patience you're going to need to have with him? In right. The- so um, for me, if he ends up being our kicker week one, then um, I will definitely have some patience because if you don't, then – there's there's that stat that I talked to I think I mentioned to y'all before and I don't know if you all went and dug up who those kickers were but um, there's some interesting numbers with kickers that have struggled coming out of the gates that are now Hall of Famers and Pro Bowl kickers and so if I don't have patience at that position I really think we're chasing the cat's tail and that's not what I'm what I'm feeling that's not what I'm all about and I know our coaches aren't about that so there's going to be a little bit of patience but 
there's got to be a you know uh, a method I think in being able to um, build trust with him and him build trust with us if it's him. Again, when I hear Matt Nagy say, if he ends up being our kicker in Week One, I will have patience. <laughs> that just doesn't sound good if you're Eddie Pinero. Okay, someone tell Eddie Pinero he can turn the radio back on. Um, because we'll talk good about him the rest of the because he made three he made three field goals all in the thirty to thirty nine yard range. He did miss the extra point, missed it badly. But everybody misses extra points. Robbie Gold has missed extra points. People miss extra points. Just the other day, Ryan Suckup missed an extra point. The Minnesota Vikings, who were in a battle with the Bears for Kari Vedvik, the kicker, they cut him yesterday. They had offered. They had given. Baltimore, a fifth-round pick. The Bears were trying to do a fifth-round conditional pick. Well, that might have worked out better for Minnesota. Uh, but now Minnesota, they released him. They cut him. Now the question is, do the Bears try to go back on out and get him? Uh, does someone go out and get Kari Vedvik and put him on their practice squad? I don't know. I'm not exactly sure how that's going to work. The Bears have been busy, though. They're not done because Adam Schefter reporting just moments ago, uh, 21 minutes ago, Bears signing guard Cody Whitehair, five-year, $52.5 million extension that includes $27.5 million guaranteed. Just that. Just hearing that Cody Whitehair is getting $27.5 guaranteed. Congratulations. And you're so fortunate they moved you from center to guard. Because now we don't have to watch any of your long snaps anymore. Your snaps, not long snaps, but your snaps back to Mitchell Trubisky. It's nice that you got a James Daniels who's able to be there. The deal negotiated by Jeff Naley and Graylin Crane gives Whitehair the it gives Whitehair the second largest guarantee for a guard extension in NFL history. Eric, I don't know about you, but that when I'm thinking of great guards in the National Football League, I'm not thinking necessarily of Cody Whitehair. No, he's not the first to come to <laughs> mind. He's not the first to come to mind. I do like that, and I expect probably within the next year or two, they'll lock up Daniels as well. I like that the Bears are drafting well and then signing their players early to solidify that front of that line, though. Yeah, I mean, they did this, uh, you know, a while ago. was last year. They signed Eddie Goldman to a longer deal. Um Akeem Hicks they signed back in September. So And I feel like it shows and yet they haven't they've only done the extensions with Floyd. They haven't given him the money. So they are drafting and then making them prove it and then signing the guy. So right. it's proven that they're still out on Floyd. We talk so much about how important an, an offensive line is in the National Football League and keeping your offensive line intact. And uh, that obviously is what the Bears are going to do because Leno's got his deal. I think Massey's got a deal. Kyle Long here, uh, like you said, James Daniels now. So we will see exactly how that all plays out. Cub fans, you can't get enough of Jesse Rogers. We got Jesse coming up as Jesse's got to talk to us early because it's a big day in Wrigley Field. Everybody gets to talk to one of the friendliest guys in Major League Baseball. Ben Zobrist is back in a Major League uniform. We'll talk with Jesse. We come back right here on ESPN 1000. Chicago's Game Day with Fred Uten on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Actually, it was pretty uh, dreary and rainy coming in, but it looks pretty nice now. Sun's coming out. Maybe it'll be a perfect day for baseball out at the friendly confines as the Cubs take on the Brewers. I'm saying this is a huge game for the Cubs. They lost yesterday. I figured they would sweep Milwaukee, sweep Seattle, 
win eight in a row. Things would be looking good. But no, they lose yesterday. Can't hit the ball. Get you six hits, two from Rizzo, one from Hamels, and lose. But everything's fine. Ben Zobrist is back. And our guy, Jesse Rogers at the ballpark. Hey, Jess, what's up? I'm good, Fred. How you doing, pal? I'm doing okay. So many people. We've been waiting for this day, the return yeah. of Ben Zobrist. Uh, I had a question. to Put a Twitter poll up. I had, got a little Murph in me today. Um, ben Zobrist's return will help the Cubs or have no impact? What would you say? I'm going to say help the Cubs. I'm going to say help the Cubs. But that's sort of by default because if he does lead off a couple, three times a week, he can't do worse than what they're doing now. They've a 280-283 on base percentage from the leadoff role. I assume Ben Zobris can reach those numbers, um, let alone what he can do in the locker room and all that stuff. So I'm going to say help, but that's only because uh, it'd be, it's a really low bar to help this team at the leadoff uh, role. And, um, you know, at second base even, they're not, they haven't had a ton of offense just at that position. Plus, again, the worst case is he helps in the locker room. So there you go. I was going to say, do you think that his help in the locker room and being there with these guys could actually end up being even more important than what he does on the field? I don't know about that. I, I, that that's that's hard. That's hard to know. Um, equally, maybe. I don't know about more important. Okay. I, guess it dep- I guess it depends on what he does in the field. If he's really bad in the field, then almost by default, he'll, right. be, more help- he'll be more helpful in the locker room. But... I mean, production trumps leadership. I mean, at the end of the day, as much as they could use both out of him, um, you know, if he was if he didn't say a word to a teammate but but got on base forty percent of the time, I think they'd be thrilled. So, sure, uh, it, it's all about perspective. Um, I, I, I think if he's helpful equally in both categories, that's a benefit to the Cubs. Uh, three games in a row, and then that, that Mets series, and then Caratini with home runs, and Castellanos, and Happ, and everybody else going deep, and everybody having fun at Wrigley. Yesterday was just nothing. I mean, Rizzo, the return of Rizzo was great. Rizzo looked like he hadn't missed a step. He got the Anthony Rizzo type hits, you know, shortens up, goes up the middle, gets a couple of base hits, uh, seeing eye uh, ball here and there. Another one that Arcia grabbed. Um, you know, behind second base and then laid there on the field for a while. Great to have Rizzo back, but it's like nobody else did anything yesterday. And then I know Joe said they were good at bats. I don't don't know. I watched the game. I didn't see a whole lot of good at bats. Well, there were some line drives that were caught, you know, like you mentioned the Rizzo one. There were a few others. Um, There there were some hard hit balls that were out. So that's the way he's, that's why he he said that. But I I know what you mean. Overall, when you get shut out, there's, yeah, you're, you can't, you can't praise him too much. Um, so I get that. By the way, oh, uh, five and oh without Rizzo, oh and one with him. I don't know. You tell me where the problem is. Uh, so you never you're know. Gonna, you're not going to tell him that, are you? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not going to remind him that. Um, yeah, it was a bad day. It was, uh, I mean, it turned out to be a bad day. Like I said, a few, few hard hit balls turned into outs. Um, they came back down to earth, but I know you've been on this kick about if they don't, if they don't hit homers, they, yeah. they, they struggle. And I mean, we could probably say that about a lot of teams, but the best teams are, are are more well-rounded than the Cubs. We know that. We know that. And they need to, to have the, a stretch of games um, at the most important time of the year here in September and even in October, obviously, where they are a little bit more well-rounded, where they don't hit a home run. Now, we have seen it at times. We just haven't seen it consistent. Yeah, and one of the things, I played the highlight earlier of the uh, Pena two-run single, and one of the last things that Len Casper says is here. Let me play it because you sure. probably you were you were there. You didn't hear. It's only seventeen seconds. That'll get in there, and the Brewers are going to get two. Gamble and Yelich 
And it's two to nothing. And Pena comes through in this spot. At the end of the bat, didn't hit it very hard, but he placed it perfectly. He didn't hit it very hard, just placed it perfectly. And I was encouraged because in New York, uh, Addison Russell did that a couple times. He just stuck the bat out, put the bat on the ball, and got hits. Javi yesterday, I'm pretty sure his hit was a single to right field. I said, okay, that's good. Javi's you know, not swinging for the fences there. He's putting his bat on the ball. And you you know the stats. The, the Cubs are a really good opposite field hitting team. Uh, opposite field homers especially, but once yeah. they start going the other way and just putting the bat on the ball. I mean, Madden's been yelling for that for years. Yeah, and Rizzo does it, as you see. Yes. You can just see him it, 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 you can just see him get down low and, 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 and almost slice it over to, to left center a lot. You, you saw it yesterday. He does it a lot, and, and, and you know, there's not enough of that. You're, you're exactly right. Um, the, the big mystery to Joe, I think, and to Theo and everyone else is why it comes and goes like that. Like, you think they've turned the corner into being a little bit more well-rounded, and then they go backwards. So that's the goal here is to get them more consistent. But this is, like you said, been a three or four year project. Yeah, and that the other guy that usually does that and has done it over the years is a guy that's coming back today. And it would be great to see Ben Zobras come back and just put his bat on the ball and get a you know get a, get a hit going the other way or something like that. And I I think that's a way that would actually help everybody. Uh, just you know not him in the locker room, but just showing by example. But it's going to be tough for a guy that struggled just at one eighty nine in the minors. Yeah, it potentially can be. I still think if he's got a good eye, you know, meaning throughout his career, right. which he's had, he'll be able to bring that to the to the big club here, even though he's been off. He has had his at-bats. He's seen pitches. I remember Schwarber in the 2016 World Series. The one thing he had was a keen eye at the plate. I think the adrenaline kicks in, and what you've been for your career can show up. So I don't know if he can catch up to the 95-mile-an-hour fastball, but I don't think Ben Zorbrist is going to – you know, chase out of the zone four times today if he if he starts. So, I do think he can provide that 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 kind of an at bat for the team. Maybe draw a few more walks here and there that the team needs, and obviously make contact in moments. Just can't expect the world, but I think you can expect some of that. I'm not going to hold you to it because Gio Gonzalez is going for Milwaukee. Do you expect Zobris to start today or play? Oh, that's a good question. I think he's going to get in a game ASAP, meaning play. Right. Now, whether he starts, I just don't know. We're waiting for the lineup now. The locker room's going to be open in 10 minutes, so um, we should know very soon. I, I all week thought he was, and then Joe threw some you know, shade to that on Friday or Saturday, whatever it was, when he said, oh, I don't know, against the lefties, we might not start him you know, because he's better from the right. left side. But I think he should start. I mean, he's fine from the right side. I think he should start, but... Um, who knows? But I do believe he'll get into a game ASAP. He's not going to you know, sit on the bench and let him think about it. He doesn't do that with most guys. And here's a guy that you want him mentally right back into it. So I expect him late in the game to be in there in some role, get a bit bad, I guess, and uh, or, or start. And obviously, I, I, you know, this is one of those moments where I think the crowd's going to react in such a positive way to his return. That'll be something to watch today, too. It's hard to find an encouraging thing in a 2 nothing loss, but after Hamill struggled with those back those uh, couple walks in the first inning and the hit, he was he was really good after that, wasn't he? Yeah, him and Lester are getting there. They're getting there. Lester struggled early and then settled down. Hamill struggled and then settled down. Um, obviously, you want them at peak performance this month. No struggles in the first inning, right? You know, give, right. You let the Cubs get a lead, and then if you're going to give up a run or two, you know, you still you don't like those early struggles. Put your team behind the eight ball, but they're getting there. Look at the overall performance the last 
couple starts with these two guys. It's not perfect, but it's getting there at the right time of the year. As long as they're healthy, I think Hamels – I just believe Hamels and Lester have better starts ahead of them than, than what we saw you know, in the month of August especially. And one last thing, speaking of starts ahead of them, what are you expecting from you, Darvish, today? Because yeah, the, it's funny because of all the players in this Cubs team, he's the guy I think that's taken the biggest step forward in the, in the fans' eyes this year. Oh, there's no doubt. I expect greatness today. I do. I expect another great outing. Not just good, great. Uh, Milwaukee's reeling still. They don't have the best offense uh, in general. I, I expect greatness out of me. Um, there's, I think you can think that every time out. Now, it's not going to happen every time out, but it, it's a 180 from what we used to think of him. We used to sure. think the opposite. Sure. Uh, can this guy last four innings? I think he could have another great start in him. I don't see why not. He's rolling. Um, there's nothing to say he can't go out there and do what he's been doing, uh, uh, you know, what he did the last month in August. Jesse, enjoy. We'll see what happens. Uh, go talk to Ben and everybody else when they open the locker room. We'll talk to you later. You, you got it, Fred. Take care. See ya. Jesse Rogers out at the Friendly Confines. I'm looking here. Paul Sullivan put something on it. This is something we wouldn't know. And I don't know if this is for the media types or who this is for, but there's a morning mass at Wrigley Field. I'm looking here under the... Uh, under the stands on the third base side, there's a priest, and he's basically saying mass and probably giving communion to the guys that can't make it out there because they got to cover baseball. Cool, pretty cool. I, Eric, I don't know if you'd ever seen this before. I didn't. Even, I never knew anything about this. I didn't either, and it's kind of a nice thing to offer, especially like you said the, for for those who, yeah. who who are religious when they have to work Sunday mornings. They have no option. They can't Where's our the priest? Come on, might as well bring a pastor. It's kind of cool. They're like literally they're in. I know they're in the stands looking out on the field. Taking mass. That's yeah, cool. And it's very cool. For uh, communion, it'll be Vienna beef and beer. I don't know if you saw, but someone posted on Facebook the other day. They had, you know, it's a whole pumpkin spice uh, kind of thing. Oh, it's back. It was it's, pumpkin, it's here. pumpkin spice hosts for, pumpkin for mass. Pumpkin spice what? For, oh, really? Yeah, for mass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, funny. that's uh, I, I'm I'm trying not to be sacrilegious on a Sunday. Uh, <laughs> they're, Cub fans, they're not trying though. Clearly, right. no. Uh, Cub fans, what are you expecting today? Not only from Ben Zobrist, you expect him to be in the lineup. It is against the lefty and Gio Gonzalez. But what do you expect from you, Darvish? And is he the guy of all the players in the Cubs this team that you've flipped on? There's nothing wrong with being a flipper. We got one nine to, nine to noon here on ESPN one thousand. Just kidding, cap and fit perfect. Um, but is he the one guy that you flipped on? A guy that coming into the season you couldn't stand. Now you look forward to each and every one of his starts. 312-332-3776. Cubs with a big game against the Brewers. We'll talk about it when we come back. Lots of football talk. Tanking in the NFL. I think it's awful. We'll get the opinion of you and everybody else as it appears the Miami Dolphins are cashing in a season before it even gets underway. We'll talk a lot of football throughout the day, but Cubs talk, we come back. 312-332-3776 here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. I'm easy like Sunday morning. Oh, yeah, this is the uh, last Sunday morning that you won't have NFL football for quite some time. As the NFL returns, the Bears getting ready to take on the Green Bay Packers. Lots of Bears talking NFL talk throughout the show. We've got Eric Edholm from Yahoo Sports coming up at 11. A Lots to talk about in the uh, 10 o'clock hour. It was a weird cut-down day. We'll go over those Bears cuts again. And for those who didn't catch it, the Bears signed guard Cody Whitehair to a five-year extension. We'll discuss that and much, much more. Cup baseball, though, is the topic for now. 
a couple more minutes of Cubs talk as the Cubs lose yesterday 2-0. As a result, they drop a game and a half yesterday because the Cardinals won in the afternoon in game one of a doubleheader and then came back and beat the Reds in the nightcap 3-2. Matt Carpenter with an RBI uh, as a walk-off. The Cardinals coming back. A long day in St. Louis, and they get to do it again, believe it or not. The Reds and the Cardinals with back-to-back doubleheaders. So the Cubs need a win today because if the Cubs would lose today and the Cardinals swept the Reds again, which is not out of the question because it is the Reds, that that would not be a good thing. They would drop, let's see, they would drop from two and a half to four back because they drop another game and a half. So it's a big game for the Cubs today. You Darvish facing Gio Gonzalez after yesterday's 2 nothing loss. Joe Madden said the team is actually... In a good place mentally. I really believe our guys are in a good place mentally right now. Um, I, I do. I love the spirit before the game. It's it's good. I love it in the clubhouse in the morning when you walk in. I I have no issues. Our guys are going about their business properly. Um, today we lost, but we've been on a nice little run. Um, I just want us to maintain that same method and go back to your point. I mean, if we could keep working good at bats and force them over the plate, I'll take it. I'll absolutely take it because uh, I I did. Um, a little bit unlucky today, but that happens. Yeah, it does happen. It happens in baseball. You know, the whole thing is hit them where they ain't, and you like to do that. Uh, they had an opportunity yesterday. I just see a family going to the Cub game, no doubt, unless they're just walking down the streets in Cub, Cub paraphernalia. I'm pretty sure they're going to the game. Again, unless they go to their Sunday Mass in their Cubs gear, <laughs> right. I think they're going to Wrigley. Yeah, and and one of the, la- the, the, the young boy had a uh, Russell jersey, and Yesterday, Addison Russell had a chance. Bases loaded in the sixth inning, and he bounced one back and went off the pitcher's glove. Pitcher goes, gets it, flips over to first base. Just a run there would have been nice because who knows what happens, but uh, they were unable to score. They only left uh, a few men on base because they only had six hits for the entire game yesterday. The Cubs, as I mentioned, they had six hits, two from Anthony Rizzo, one from Cole Hamels yesterday. Runners left in scoring position. Well, the Cubs didn't have many. Uh, 0 for 5 with runners in scoring position yesterday for the game. They left eight men on base. Um, so a couple guys got on. He had only two walks. Only seven strikeouts, so they did uh, put the ball in play yesterday. It was fielded by Milwaukee. It's big today. You Darvish has been pitching so well. Of Actually, late. Fred, I'm going to interrupt you. Jesse just tweeted this out: Cubs move. Tyler Chatwood starting. Darvish with right arm, right forearm uh. tightness, skipping only one start at this point. Uh. So we had a Chatwood start today, and Darvish has arm soreness. Well, I can't imagine any Cub fan out there is encouraged by that news. No, that's the, <laughs> right now their best pitcher. Yes. And, and then a question mark in chat would go in today. Oh, my. And that, that's going to take precedence over Ben Zobrist or not. Because we haven't even seen the Ben Zobrist thing yet, right? But Tyler Chatwood starting. Darvish right forearm tightness. Come on. You know, for, for Cub fans, it really can't get any... It can't get any stranger than this season has been. Um, Descalso, Almora, Davis, Garcia, Mills, Underwood, and I don't know who this guy is. Wick called up. It's not the pitcher because he's already yeah, up. He's their other bullpen pitcher he's with the last guy? name Wick. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. okay, so they've all been up and activated. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see. Boy, that's if you're going to the game expecting to see you, Darvish, and you get there, you sit down in your seat, and you don't know much about it, and you hear that Tyler Chatwood's going instead. 
that can't be that can't be encouraging. All the Cubs uh, beat reporters are, are reporting that Darvish has been dealing with this tightness for about a month now. And whenever anything's in the forearm, it's usually tied to the elbow. So that, to me, is something to be concerned. Yeah. If he's been feeling this soreness for a month now, and he's been terrific the last month, that maybe he's being overworked in this last month as well. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, we'll, we'll have to wait and see how this all plays out. Uh, not good news, necessarily. Darvish... Uh, resting his arm. Chatwood goes today. Anthony gets to me on Twitter, and he brings up a good point because I was looking at it in a negative aspect. He he says, Freddie, good morning. Don't the Cards have another doubleheader today? Yes, they do. If they lose both of the Cubs win, they go from two and a half back to one back. All right, Chatwood. Here's your there chance. You go. So Chatwood's got an opportunity. You want to talk Cub baseball? Uh, we will talk about it. 312-332-3776. Your thoughts on Zobris coming back to the team. Uh, it is September 1st. And you, Darvish, sitting out, resting some forearm tightness. You got Tyler Chatwood going. How are your thoughts going into this one? 312-332-3776 at ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's game day. Deep to left field, and it is there. Chicago's game day. He is at the wall. He leaps. He caught it. He caught it. Alvarez. It's a triple play for the Sox. Base is loaded. Base is clean. This is Chicago's game day. Only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Fred Hubner with you. 312-332-3776. You can also get to me. On uh, Twitter at Fred underscore Hubner. Got a couple of Twitter polls out there. Got another one to be thrown out there. Uh, three of them right now. Ben Zobrist's return will help the Cubs or have no impact? I don't mean just today. He's not starting. Uh, I mean on the rest of the season. Also, a couple of Bears. We're going to talk some Bears, talk some NFL in just a little bit. The key to the Bears beating Green Bay will be Trubisky in the offense. Or Mac in the defense. And to get more specific, the Bears MVP Thursday night will be Trubisky, Mac, Cohen, or Eddie Pinero. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna alternate Pinero and Pinero. I'm gonna I'm gonna say them both ways, because I've heard people say them both ways. Adam Amin said Pinero, and I've heard other people say Pinero. So uh, we'll do that. We got a lot of Bears talk coming up. We've got some NFL talk, a lot's going on, talking about tanking as the um Miami Dolphins, not only are they tanky with deals and moving guys and stills gone, and but today you just heard Kiko Alonso, linebacker, now going to the New Orleans Saints. So it's like, anybody that can play, raise your hand. Okay, we're going to trade you and move you to be as bad as we can possibly be and then uh, try to get Tua and uh, some other good players in the future. So we'll talk about that too. 312-332-3776. But before we get to football... We got to talk about the Cubs and their lineup. Right before we went to break here on ESPN 1000, we reported that right forearm tightness is keeping you, Darvish, away from today's start. So if you're heading to the ball game, it's going to be Tyler Chatwood. Now, Tyler Chatwood and you, Darvish, everybody looked at those two guys kind of the same way last year. Not really encouraging, they didn't perform well. Well, this year, Hugh Darvish has been a lot better. 
Tyler Chatwood has been better. Um, let's see how he is now thrown into a starting position. Tyler Chatwood will get the start. Here's the lineup for the Cubs. Gio Gonzalez going against the uh, Northsiders, the former White Sox pitcher. They had him two or three times. He just kept trading him away. And uh, he is going from Milwaukee today. Rubber game in the three-game series. Your leadoff man, and I think this may be the only the first time he's leading off this year. We'll have to double-check. Javi Baez leading off at shortstop. Nicholas Castellanos is in right. Chris Bryant at third. Victor Caratini at first base. So Anthony Rizzo gets two hits, two for four in his return, and he's not starting today. Um, Jonathan Lucroy is catching. Albert Almora, just up from Iowa, is in center field. Addison Russell at second base. Ian Happ is playing left field. And Tyler Chatwood is your pitcher. So Joe is going with a complete right-handed lineup against Gio Gonzalez. Baez, Castellanos, Bryant, Caratini, Lucroy, Almora, Russell Happ, and Chatwood. As the Cubs send Tyler Chatwood against Milwaukee. Your thoughts, 312-332-3776. And yes, uh, the return of Ben Zobris, but he is not playing today. Maybe he comes in later. Maybe after Gio leaves, it'll be a pinch hitter, Ben Zobrist. We'll have to wait and see. Anthony Rizzo, as Jesse tweets, is okay. The plan was start one, then take one off. No setback. So apparently this was planned. Another one of those planned uh, lineup things that Joe has with the Cubs as opposed to sitting down because you're going up against Gio Gonzalez. I guess that makes sense. You want to keep Rizzo for a longer period of time. Like I said, he did look good yesterday. Two for four in his return. Had another base, another hit that looked like it was going to be a hit uh, right up the middle. RC made a nice play. So you want to jump in your thoughts. 312-332-3776. Cubs getting ready to take on the Milwaukee Brewers in a, um, I'm saying a huge game. Because... St. Louis does have another doubleheader today after sweeping the Reds yesterday. They played two more today down in St. Louis. And uh, be an interesting day of uh, scoreboard watching if you're going to the friendly confines or if you're just looking at your phone throughout the course of the day and seeing how things go. Because yesterday, with the Cubs' loss and St. Louis picking up two victories, the Cubs are now two and a half games back. So they went from one game to two and a half. And I mentioned that... If the Cubs lost today and St. Louis swept another doubleheader, they'd be four games back of St. Louis. But Anthony got to me on Twitter, and he looked from the Cubs' perspective. If the Cubs win today and St. Louis loses a doubleheader, which is always possible, the Cubs are back to one game back. So there's always that possibility then with Seattle coming in for a couple of games. 312-332-3776. Some Cubs baseball, some football coming your way in a little bit. First, let's head out to Indiana. And Lenny, you're on ESPN 1000. Hey, Lenny, what's up? How you doing? I got a question on this Darvish situation. They said he'd been having trouble for a month with his right arm. Yeah. Then why in the last game did he go 109 pitches? I know they were winning, and they still let him pitch 109 inches. If he was having trouble, why didn't they get him out of there? That's a good question. I'm not a doctor, but it seems to it seems to be a perfectly legitimate question, Lenny. Um, if he's ha- been having problems, obviously it's something that they, their doctors and their staff looked at and said it's not 
maybe you know not. I know. I know they're, 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 they have bullpen problems, but right. they could have used. They could have let him pitch like five innings, and then brought in that Roland Witt and let him pitch a couple innings, and because he's pitching damn good for them. Yeah, or even you know, a lot of times they had those piggyback games where they could have had Darvish go five and then bring Chatwood in. So you're right. Right. right they could have right. done that. I mean, you let him go 109 inches, and you know he's got a, a, a sore arm. That could cause more problems than what he's having was having. Yeah, well, yeah, Lenny, I appreciate the call. You bring up a great point, and I'm sure that's going to be something that's going to be talked about throughout the next couple of days. Um, Darvish dealing with this not only for the last starters, but the last five starts, and uh, apparently it hasn't been bad enough where he needed to sit down. And you would think if it was, if there was any problem, they would definitely have had it looked at. Uh, Cubs insisting it's a minor blip. We'll see. I guess that's all we can do. We've we, seen a lot of minor blip injuries for the Cubs this year that have turned out to be Rizzo's back injury coming yeah. back and, and things like that. And Contreras' injury lingering and him still being out. Sure. So, that, I mean, I kind of agree with Lenny. If they knew he was having elbow soreness, which is reported right now, why wasn't he on a strict pitch count? Right. I know he's been great and he's been pitching accurately. He's been had his control. His stuff's good. Uh, but why not put him on a pitch count then? Because now, what if they don't have him come September, like when this month rolls on? Well, and you say don't have him. Uh, about a week ago, we were talking, a lot of people were talking about who would be the guy you'd want to throw in a one-game wild right. card. It, 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 was, it him. was him, and now <laughs> yeah. he comes back with elbow soreness, and he struggles to return. Now now we got an issue. Yeah, that's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting going forward. Um, you kind of you looked at today's game as a big game, a uh, you know big game to go after and get a victory and win a series at home against Milwaukee, who's trying to catch you. And uh, now you're going with Tyler Chatwood. Hey, Tyler Chatwood could go on out there and pitch well, and the Cubs could actually light up a Gio Gonzalez. Anything can happen because we know if we've learned anything about this Cubs baseball team over the last month, we know nothing about this Cubs team. From one day to the next, we have no idea what's going to happen with the Cubs. I thought they'd win easily yesterday. They didn't. Um, they go to New York for a three-game series. They sweep. It's like, really? And now, what has New York done? They've done nothing but favors for the Cubs the last two days by beating Philadelphia, who is chasing the Cubs in the wild card standings. So it's a wait and see what have, what's going to happen with the Cubs as we go forward. We'll throw in some more Cubs talk throughout the course of the day. You want to jump in, 312-332-3776. But again, you Darvish, right forearm tightness, uh, will miss this start. Um, he is expected to go in his next outing. Tyler Chatwood, though, will start today for the Cubs, a 120 start against Gio Gonzalez and the Brewers. Let's talk some football. Uh, the Bears made their cuts yesterday. Among the notables, Tyler Bray, Ryan Nall, the running back, uh, Thomas Ives and Ian Bunning, the two kids from Hinsdale Central, uh, were released. Tanner Gentry, Jesper Horstead from Princeton. Also, guard Alex Bars, Jonathan Bullard, defensive end, a guy that you thought was going to be a big part of this D line, a big part of the rotation. He's out. And also James Vauders. Uh, we'll find out the practice squad a little bit later on today. Bears continuing to make news as they sign guard Cody Whitehair to a five-year, $52.5 million extension that includes a $27.5 million guarantee. This, according to Adam Schefter early this morning, the deal gives Whitehair the second largest guarantee for a guard extension in NFL history. Interesting. They're locking up their offensive line. They're gearing up for the Green Bay Packers. Your thoughts? 
as the Bears and Packers get ready to go at it Thursday. A perfect way to start the 100th season of Bears football with the Packers coming to Soldier Field this coming Thursday. Lots to look forward to as we take a look at the Bears and the Packers. Now, yesterday being cut down day, there was a lot of moves all around the NFL, okay? And around the NFL, among the, you know, the Bears had their, their you know, cuts. The Houston Texans pretty much revamped their team. They made four trades. They had the busiest cutdown day. They acquired left tackle Laramie Tunsil from the Dolphins, traded Jadavian Clowney to the Seahawks, they acquired running back Carlos Hyde from the Chiefs and cornerback Keon Croson from the Patriots. Um, the Hyde ad was necessary for the Texans because Lamar Miller has lost the season-ending injury. So lots of moves yesterday. And uh, Mike Wells, who is the Indianapolis, isn't he the, the Indianapolis the Colts, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's the Colts beat writer. He was talking about the Texans trade and uh, basically just shows how Miami is basically just desperate and just dumping everybody on the roster. I think it's a sign of desperation, quite honestly. You're giving up two first-round picks. I know Deshaun Watson was sacked 60-odd times last season. So for Bill O'Brien's sake, and they're basically, you know, mixing a pot front office with no general manager, they better win this season because they gave Clowney up for basically free. And you got to hope getting Tunsil is going to be up, bringing Tunsil in is going to allow some stability on the offensive line and protect Deshaun Watson. Well, that's a lot. That's where the hope is for the Houston Texans. So I wanted to bring this up real quick because it's also one of the other uh, poll questions today. Tanking. And we're going to get back to some bear stuff because uh, JD had an opinion the other day. I know they talked about it on Friday, but I wanted to ask you in case you missed it. Um, the Miami Dolphins in tanking. Is tanking in all sports good or bad? I dislike it immensely. I don't like it in the NBA. I don't I don't necessarily like it in baseball, even though the Cubs did it and the White Sox are, have been doing it. They don't necessarily go out and try to lose, but they go out with players that are gonna make it difficult for them to win. And now the Miami Dolphins are getting rid, getting rid of all their good players. Kiko Alonso now being traded from the Dolphins to the New Orleans Saints. So your thoughts on tanking. Mark Tauscher, former Packer. Uh, you heard him earlier today here on ESPN on the national scene. He also has had ESPN Milwaukee uh, on a daily basis. And he is a guy that played the game, now talks about the game. And he talked about the effect of tanking in the NFL on players. Yeah, it's great for you, and it's great for us sitting here. You know who it's not great for? Seven-year veterans in that locker room or guys that are trying to make it and win because when you make moves like this, you're not saying, well, we're, you're saying we're going to stink. And the, t- the guys in that locker room are... We hope to stink. Not, not even we're going to stink. No. Like we, we are planning on, 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 on tanking. Yeah, I think from an organizational standpoint and from the long-term view, which is obviously what Miami is looking for, yes, they are saying we want to. Uh, we uh, we understand that this is not our year. You you know, Tom Brady's still up in New England. We're not going to be. We're not very good. Our roster's not built right now to win. So, our assets that we felt like had value, we just maximized one of our big ones by getting two first and a second from the Houston Texans. So, I think. 
uh, just looking at it and understanding what you're trying to get done organizationally makes a ton of sense. But from a player standpoint, and from a former player standpoint, I would hate it because you now know one of your better years that you have left to give to this right. league is going to be for naught, and it's going to be for the guys coming after you, and that's not a good feeling from a player standpoint. That's Mark Tauscher from ESPN earlier today on the National Network. And um, your thoughts on tanking in the NFL, I think it's disgusting. We have seen, year in and year out, we have seen teams in the NFL go from worst in their division to first in their division. Prime example, the Bears did it. And that's just building your team up. What Miami's doing is getting rid of everybody they have that's any good and uh, saying we're going to be really bad. And now we have, I think they have next year, six draft picks in the first three rounds. Two in the first, two in the second, two in the third. I'm pretty sure. And that's great for them. But the one thing you you know about the NFL draft, it's not just because you have good draft picks and a lot of draft picks doesn't mean you're going to improve. I'm looking here because Jadavian Clowney got traded from Houston. He's going to Seattle now. The 2014 draft, and I think we're going back five years. The 2014 draft, the top five picks have all been traded. Jadavian Clowney, Craig Robinson for the Rams, Blake Bortles for Jacksonville. That was a wonderful trade or draft. Sammy Watkins from Buffalo seems to be good everywhere he goes, but he's been on like three or four teams. And the last... The fifth pick in the 2014 draft was Khalil Mack, and we all know what happened actually a year ago today. Uh, And we'll talk about that. One year ago today, Khalil Mack came to the Bears. So drafting, just because you have a lot of draft picks, doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean you're going to become a better team. It's not the same as baseball. It's 53 guys, 11 on each side of the ball, and a kicker, which we found out how important a kicker is. I'm not a fan of tanking in the NFL, and I think it's horrible what Miami's doing, especially with, as Mark Tauscher said, if, in fact, the average career of an NFL player is four years, what are you going to tell those 53 guys dressing up for the Miami Dolphins? They know they have no chance to win. You're trading anybody that's any good on that team. Kenny Stills gone. Laramie Tunsil gone. How are they going to, you know, you bring in Josh Rosen, and... He's not your starter. They're going with um, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick, Which makes no sense. If you're going to be bad and you're going to be tanking as it's clear they are, why not let Josh Rosen just wear his warts? Learn how to play in the NFL. Yeah. And now you're. So the whole thing that. But if you're. I mean, Miami's got a ton of fans. The proud history of the Miami Dolphins. Okay. It's not been great of late. And you can't say, well, we're going to wait for. The NBA's done this, too. You can't sit there and say, well, we're just going to have to wait until Tom Brady retires. There's a lot of people in the Eastern Conference. Well, we're, we're just going to wait until LeBron's gone. Well, he's in the West now, and now everyone's going to jump up. I, did the Toronto Raptors, uh, Eric, you know basketball. Did the Toronto Raptors tank over the last several years? No, they went all in. They yeah. took a big risk. Made and, a couple and, of moves yeah, here and there, exactly. and all of a sudden they end up winning. To I, your point about the, the Dolphins waiting for Brady to retire, what if Brady gets hurt week two? Sure. All of a sudden that division is wide open, yeah. and you already gave up on the season. Yeah, and, and you know the one thing they have in the NFL, they have wild cards. 
They, they've got you lots be a wild of card yes, team. Absolutely. Yeah, you could be a wild card team in the NFL. So I, I just despise tanking, and I think I didn't think there'd be tanking in the NFL because you know you can tell five players in the NBA or twelve players total with a roster. Okay, we're gonna sit back. You do what Philadelphia did, or even what the Bulls did. Many people say and. Bulls, unfortunately, didn't do a good enough job trying to lose. But you're going to take a 53-man roster and go out on the field and basically not try to win? That's horrible for the sport. I just think it's disgusting. Uh, It's an awful thing for the sport of, of football. I don't like it for any of the sports. And look what we have in baseball now. You have teams like Detroit and Baltimore, teams that are god awful. Just pathetically bad teams. And, you know, last year the White Sox lost 100 games. It's not great for the sport. It's a miserable thing for the sport. And um, I just I just hate seeing it. Really quickly, we had a lot of stuff here on what the Texans are doing. So I want to play a couple more things here, too. Because the Houston Texans, they're going for it. They don't have a GM. And Bill O'Brien's doing making all the moves and said, listen, I want to win now. I love that. I don't care if he's giving away draft picks. It's complete opposite of tanking. He's saying, listen, we'll give you draft picks. I want players to win now. Lamar Miller gets hurt. What do they do? They go get Carlos Hyde. And uh, Jadavian Clowney needed to be dealt. Okay, they trade him. They get a couple of couple of other players, picks, things like that. But what the Houston Texans are doing, I'm not a, I don't have a problem with this. Sarah Bars. What's your last name again? Sarah Barshop. Okay. Mm-hmm. She covers the Houston Texans. Correct. Yeah. And she She's was on earlier today. the JD of the Texans. She's the JD of the Texans. <laughs> and she was on earlier today on ESPN talking about her reaction to all the moves the Houston Texans are making. Four trades yesterday picking up guys like Laramie Tunsil. Someone to protect their quarterback would definitely need it. They also pick up a Carlos Hyde. Listen to what they also pick up. Kenny Stills, another wide receiver. How about Kenny Stills on one side and Hopkins on the other? Not bad. This is Sarah Barshop talking earlier today on ESPN about the Texans' moves. I wasn't surprised that Clowney went to the Seahawks just because I know that was one of his preferred destinations. He didn't want to go to Miami. And it became increasingly clear that they were probably going to have to do something because he wasn't going to report. The relationship had kind of just soured between him and Bill O'Brien, so... It seemed like they were going to have to be, make a move. Now I was surprised what they got in return for him. Just in that they didn't really get picks. They got two outside linebackers who will essentially replace him on the team. So I was a little surprised about that package they got for him. And then Tunsil, I just didn't think they had the picks to get it done. I mean, I just didn't think they would essentially mortgage their future to get a left tackle. Now they had to protect Deshaun Watson. They had to get someone like that, um, but I thought after trading Clowney, that deal kind of would be done just because of what it would take to get a guy like Tunsil. Well, they they pick up Laramie Tunsil and also get Kenny Stills in the deal. They trade away picks. I have no problem with it. And Sarah Barshop goes on and says that Brian O'Brien basically he's just all in. Let's go win it for better or for worse, right? Because you get a guy you hope you hope will win now, but in four years. They'll have made one first-round pick. And they have a lot of salary cap space right now, but just what that means is that soon you're not going to have those guys on cheap deals like you do with Deshaun Watson right now. You're going to have to pay guys in free agency to fill some of those holes because you're not getting cheap young talent in the draft. And if it works, Bill O'Brien looks like a genius. But if it doesn't, a lot of this is going to be on him because, like you said, they don't have a general manager right now. And so 
he is going to be the one who's making decisions. You know, he says they have a group and they, they all discuss it, and I'm sure they do. But there's no doubt that he is the one leading the charge on all of this. Let me ask you a question, Eric. If, uh, if in fact, they have a problem, don't have other first-round draft picks in a couple of years, is it going to matter if they win the Super Bowl? No, it won't. So, no. like, the, it's really interesting having the coach play as the GM because he didn't, like, sign up for this job. Like, right. Thibodeau, for example, who, like, got hired as the coach and GM. They just don't have a GM. So he knows if they're not successful in these next two years, he's out anyways. So who cares about mortgaging the future? And the one thing I, I don't really like giving up all the first-round picks, but in the NFL, the only way to win right now, unless you're the Patriots, is have that really good quarterback on that rookie deal, and right. that's Deshaun Watson, yes, it is. who they have beat up and let him get hurt in his first few seasons. So he goes, all right, while that contract's low, we are going to load up now and go for it in this next year, these next two years. That's how it's got to be done. That's why this Bears team needs to do this in these next couple years. Exactly, and, and I think a, a team going for it, that's the way sports is supposed to be. You make moves to get good to try to win now, and that's what Bill O'Brien and the Houston Texans are doing. I don't care what they have in years to come. That's why the Bears didn't care moving, you know, getting a Khalil Mack and moving all the picks that they what they had to give up. They didn't care. They didn't care years ago when they got Jay Cutler. No one complained this year at the draft that they didn't have a first-round pick because no. that's Khalil Mack. Exactly. Nobody's complaining about that. Yeah, nobody complained about it. We'll talk about uh, Khalil Mack. We'll also do some uh, my MLB notebook we come back. A look around at Major League Baseball, and uh, we've got a lot more football talk coming up. It's a special anniversary, and it could be even more special if the Bears do what many people think the Bears can do this year. 312-332-3776. Fred Hubner with you till noon on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. And a ball driven to left center. Sousa. He's got it! He's got it! It's a no-hitter! Fred goes around the horn. It's a triple play for the Sox. Touch them all, Joe! You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. Fred's Baseball Notebook. Welcome back in. Fred Hubner with you. As we begin our Baseball Notebook, let's start with the news from Wrigley Field. I know you think I'm going to say that Ben Zobrist is in the lineup today. Well, I'm not going to say that. He is back. We'll hear from Ben Zobrist in a little bit. But the um, the other thing I do want to tell you is that if you're heading to the ball game, or if you were um, expecting to see, if you were expecting to see a U Darvish start, that's not going to happen today. Darvish apparently has been dealing with right forearm tightness in his last not one, not two, but five starts. And as a result, he is going to skip today's game. It will not be you, Darvish. It'll be Tyler Chatwood getting the start for the Cubs today. Quickly, Javi Baez in the leadoff spot with Nicholas Castellanos and right Chris Bryant at third. Uh, Anthony Rizzo sitting down. They figured coming back from the bad back. He played yesterday. Going to have off today. Victor Caratini's at first. Lucroy is catching Almora back up with the big club. He's in center field. Addison Russell at second base. and Happ in left. Tyler Chetwood is your pitcher. Now, uh, Ben Zobrist, yes, back with the Cubs as uh, he played in 12 minor league games, rehab, trying to get ready, hit just 189. But the 38-year-old veteran says uh, he is thrilled to be back. I'm excited to be back in the clubhouse with the guys. and um, Got to go out on the field last night, take a few ground balls and hit BP and stuff. It's, you know, Wrigley Field's a special place, so... 
uh, anytime I get a chance to be here. Um, you know, I, I don't take it for granted. I'm, I'm excited to be back. And if you want to uh, jump on in, one of our Twitter polls today, Ben Zobris' return will be, well, I will help the Cubs or have no impact on the remainder of this season. Uh, you can go to uh, ESPN 1000 on Twitter and uh, vote on that and the other polls we have going today, a couple of Bears polls and also tanking in all sports, good or bad. I know it's very simple. But I uh, just wanted to get your opinion as the Miami Dolphins are doing it. We'll talk more football with Eric Edholm from Yahoo Sports at 11 o'clock. White Sox talk with Josh Nelson from the Sox Machine at 11.30. But right now, look around Major League Baseball, some of the highlights from the games. And Cub fans, you you may want to cover your ears for this one. The uh, Cardinals took game one of their doubleheader with the Reds yesterday. They uh, played the second game. It was 2-1 to one in the ninth inning. Uh, Harrison Bader with an RBI single made it 2-2. The runners are first and second, and Carpenter came to the plate. Swing, and the ball is hit to right center. That gets down. Molina around third base. The throw to Galvis. Relay to the plate. Too late. It's a Redbird winner. Yadier Molina scores on the hit by Matt Carpenter, and the Cardinals scored two in the ninth inning to sweep the doubleheader. Ah, uh, John Rooney with the call. Cardinals radio. Oh, it's a, it's a Redbirds winner. <laughs> Just like Jay Hood would do the invitation. That's a White Sox winner. Uh, so the Cardinals with the doubleheader win, they have a two and a half game lead over the Cubs in the National League Central Division. We've talked about this quite a bit, Murph and I. Ever since Theo Epstein came to the Cubs and decided we're going to move this guy because we like Ian Stewart and we're going to trade DJ LeMahieu. Well, DJ LeMahieu's having one heck of a season. And, uh, yesterday, the Yankees and A's were in the 11th, and D.J. LeMay, you said, I've had enough. That one is sky to right field and deep. Going back, Pinder, ball game, see ya. He walks it off, and the Yankees win 4-3. to three. Well, that was very, very nice for the Yanks, a 4-3 victory. D.J. LeMayhew with the home run, the walk-off home run, and uh, yeah, he was thrilled to get it. This season, is there a better feeling than getting it done like that here at Yankee Stadium? No, no, this is the best. It's awesome. More power from Sanchez and Judge. What does it mean to this offense when they're going like they are right now? Yeah, I just, I mean, we weren't getting a whole lot done today. Uh, so a couple big swings there really kept us in the game and uh, just uh, really good hitters. DJ, thanks for the time. Thank you. Uh, you know, talk more about DJ LeMayhew. DJ LeMayhew right now is leading the American League in hitting with a 333 average. And um, Michael Brantley is a point back at 332. And, uh, yeah, LeMayhew doing very, very well. 24 homers, 90 RBIs for the Yankees' second baseman. Uh, elsewhere, those damn Minnesota Twins. The other day against Dylan Cease, they scored eight runs off them. Hit a couple of home runs in the third inning. And, uh, yeah, they've been hitting a lot of home runs. And it continued yesterday. And that is from the stretch. And the first pitch, a swing and a drive into left field and deep. Back it goes, deep it goes, and gone. There's the record. A six-homer night for the Minnesota Twins, and Garber's second sets a new Major League record. 268 home runs for the Minnesota Twins. No team has hit more home runs in a season than the 2019 Minnesota Twins. Yeah, the balls aren't juiced. Uh, Treasure Island Radio with the uh, highlight from the uh, Minnesota Twins. Six home runs 
and they lose to Detroit. A final of 10 to 7. Rocco Baldelli, the Twins manager. I'll be very honest. It's a, it's a tremendous accomplishment. You know, I, I think in the future, you probably look back on it and you go, it's pretty amazing. And while it's happening and we're sitting out there in the dugout, we also look at each other. I've mentioned it before. We, we do look at each other and say, this is pretty incredible what we're watching. And you just, you kind of say, wow. Um, all that being said, I don't think anyone is probably in the clubhouse right now like super excited and talking about the home run record on a day that doesn't go well you know the guys here um everybody here is is you know significantly more interested in in the outcome of the game than you know setting that record but it'll, it'll be something that uh we'll all be able to enjoy i think going forward yeah you can tell your grandkids about it that your uh twins team set the record for most home runs in a season and years from now there'll be an asterisk after it saying, oh, yeah, the ball was juiced. That's why they did it. But it's juiced for everyone, apparently. The Twins now with a four-and-a-half game lead over Cleveland. Cleveland's lost two in a row, so the loss by the Twins really doesn't hurt them much in the standings. Right now, if the uh, season were to end now, which I know people hate to hear, the Cubs would be the second wildcard team, and they would play the Nationals. And one of the guys they might face would be Steven Strasburg. And Strasburg uh, had his way yesterday as he was pitching for Washington. Got him! Tossed the bat away thinking he'd walked, but he has struck out. And for Strasburg, 14 Ks in eight two-hit shutout innings. And that's 22 in a row. Ooh! Boy, Steven Strasburg, a guy you don't want to see uh, massing TV with the highlight as the Nationals get the 7 nothing win over the Miami Marlins. The greatest pitch uh, player in the game right now for all of Major League Baseball is Mike Trout, and he did it again yesterday. There goes Trout. Big jump. Good one. A swing and a miss, and Trout has just picked up career stolen base number 200. Pick the right pitch. Picks up career number 200 as far as stolen base. Youngest ever for 200 steals and 250 home runs at the age of 28 for Trout. Well, it's 200 and 200, but uh, nice stats for Mike Trout as he just continues to perform well where nobody can see him out in uh, Anaheim for the Angels. The Rangers, they get a uh, win yesterday and they walked it off. This one in the air. as far as I've seen the celebration go there on the middle center field. Well, a spectacular evening. It started with a pregame ceremony celebrating the franchise's all-time great in Michael Young. And it ends with, again, the young guys on the team producing some heroics and a 3-2 walk-off victory over the Mariners. Yeah, Kiner Falefa with the RBI walk-off as the Rangers get the win they're very, very excited for a team that is 67 and 70, 21 games back of the Houston Astros. That's what a lot of fans don't understand. Every game is important for these guys. Winning a game is really important. And that's why there's celebrations after a win, no matter how bad you are as a team. And the retirement he talked about, Michael Young, having his number retired yesterday by the Rangers. I now direct your attention to the left field club level as number 10 is officially retired by the Texas Rangers. There's no way I can repay your support and your friendship throughout the years. My only hope is that you know that when I played, 
I did the best for my teammates, for this uniform, and for all of you. Thank you guys for everything you've given me over the years. I'll always be grateful, and I'll always be a Ranger. That was Michael Young, and I got to tell you, when Michael Young played for Texas, there was no more frustrating player to go against than Michael Young because he would always get that big hit when needed. No matter when he came up, no matter what the situation, he would always get the big hit against the White Sox, against every other team that he played against. Nice to see his uh, number retired. Plus, he was one of the classier ball players uh, in uh, Major League Baseball history. Michael Young having his number retired. So quickly, as we uh, start a Sunday, the Yankees a 10-game lead over the Rays. Remember when that was close? Twins by four and a half up on the Indians. Indians in the Central and the Astros a nine-game lead on the Athletics. Remember, that got close a little while ago. In the National League, the Braves up on the Nationals by five and a half. The Cardinals, the two-and-a-half game lead over the Cubs. Milwaukee, six-and-a-half back, and the Dodgers are 88-50, 17 up on Arizona. The wild card has the Indians, and right now the A's and the Rays are tied for the second wild card team with Boston five-and-a-half back. In the National League, the Nationals... And the Cubs are your wild card teams right now with the Phillies and the Diamondbacks three and a half behind the Cubs. Milwaukee and the Mets are four games back. Just one year ago today, the Bears franchise changed. We'll uh, talk about that when we come back. A lot more football talk with Eric Edholm, top of the hour. Josh Nelson, Sox Machine, some White Sox talk at 11.30. And soccer, the Chicago Fire. With a big point on the road, we'll talk about that before we're out of here at 12 o'clock. Fred Huebner with you on ESPN 1000. This is something that has been going on through the wee hours of last night. The Chicago Bears are, in fact, expected to trade for star pass rusher Khalil Mack. I can't believe it. I'm really excited he's here. It's been a whirlwind, and um, it happened fast, but I'm blessed and I'm thankful and I'm glad to be here. And this time he's going to go down. It's going to be picked. Interception and Mack will take it all the way in for a touchdown. How crazy was that? 28 yards, and Khalil Mack is already the defensive MVP of the season. What, what's the Mack attack all about? Oh, domination. Mack strips it. He is unbelievable. Khalil Mack strips it down. Seattle recovers, but if there's a quarterback with the ball, he's going to find him this year. Turn up the Mack. Return of the night, return of the night, you know that he'll be back. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Yep, just one year ago today, the Bears made the move and acquired Khalil Mack. You heard highlights from NBC, from Fox, and also Charles Leno was singing. Return of the Mac. And, uh, yeah, they were very, very happy when they got him. And all Bears fans extremely happy when they saw what he did for them last year and what they're going to be doing this year, hopefully. Again, uh, you want to get to the Twitter polls. We're going to have the results for those in a little bit. But you can get to uh, the Twitter polls, ESPN 1000 on Twitter. Uh, the key to the Bears beating Green Bay will be Trubisky in the offense. Or Mack in the defense. And your Bears MVP Thursday night will be Trubisky, Mack, Cohen, or Pinero. You look at it and 
Eric, were you here with us last year, or was it somebody else producing the show with me and Murph? No, I was here when that news came. It was such a crazy day. Like, out yeah. of nowhere, all of a sudden, you see on Twitter that Schefter's tweeting that Khalil Mack is going to be a bear. Yeah, that was unbelievable. And this was this was uh, a year ago today when uh, Adam Schefter broke the news. Good morning. This is a discussion that went on through the night, but there were teams around the league that felt like the Raiders had a deal in place, and in fact, they do. They have a deal in place with the Chicago Bears. We do not know the compensation yet, but it'll be steep because there were so many teams that were so interested in Khalil Mack as a pass rusher. Again, they've got to finalize the agreement with the Raiders, get a new deal done with Khalil Mack. There are still some obstacles to get through, but as of right now, the Raiders are planning to trade Khalil Mack to the Chicago Bears in a move that will bolster the Bears' pass rush, and the Bears could afford to pay Mack because they pay the young quarterback and Mitchell Trubisky. But if everything works out today, Mack is on his way to Chicago. Adam, why couldn't the Raiders hold on to Mack? It's a great question. Look, they paid a lot of different players during the offseason, and I think the relationship there, Khalil Mack made it very difficult on the Raiders in the fact that he did not report to any activities, did not have any contact with John Gruden, and the Oakland Raiders did not want to go ahead and pay a guy that they basically could not establish a relationship with. There was not an ongoing dialogue, not open lines of communication. We saw a guy like Odell Beckham Jr., show up and go through deals. Aaron Donald was talking to his head coach regularly. There was no contact here between the two sides. Somewhere along the way, the relationship went cold, and the Raiders figured that with all these teams interested in Khalil Mack, with teams making offers, and they had multiple offers from multiple teams to choose from, that they were best off taking this offer from the Chicago Bears. And I think Bears fans were very, very happy that uh, they took that offer. So one year ago today, it happened when Murph and I were doing our show, and um, Adam Schefter with a tweet, hard to believe at that point, and we discussed it. We had no idea what the compensation was going to be, and I don't think Bears fans care what the compensation was because what Khalil Mack's been able to do for the Bears in one season, a 12-4 and finish, and looking forward to what's going to happen this year. So I guess when we look back at it, hopefully after a couple of Super Bowls, we can say this is the day that changed the Bears organization in the future. The, today, the Bears are busy spending more money. They signed guard Cody Whitehair to a five-year, $52.5 million extension, including a $27.5 million guarantee. And uh, the deal... Gives Whitehair the second largest guarantee for a guard extension in NFL history. This is the last Sunday without NFL football. It all starts Thursday, the Bears and the Packers. Then next Sunday, a bunch of games. And uh, we'll be talking about it, no doubt, throughout the week. All the guys will be breaking down the Bears and the Packers, getting you ready. Today, the Bears are back at practice. It doesn't matter that today's a Sunday. Uh, because the Bears play on Thursday, they've got a regular practice today. Matt Nagy talks today. Mitchell Trubisky talks today. So all the Bears beat writers are up at Hallis Hall today. They're gearing up. It is game week for the Bears and the Packers as we begin September with football. We'll talk a lot more football. Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports going to join us. We come back right here on ESPN 1000. Chicago's Game Day with Fred Eubner on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Oh, yeah, it is football week. I know, college underway. 
week zero, week one. I'm an NFL guy. So the Bears are at practice today because they play on Thursday against the Green Bay Packers. Yesterday was an interesting day, cut down day. A couple years ago, they changed it. You didn't have to have cuts throughout the preseason. You just wait till preseason games are over with and make all your cuts. You go from 90 to 53. It was a very interesting cut down day to talk about that and a lot more around the NFL. We bring in, oh, he's been following the NFL for decades, it seems. At least we've been talking to him for that long, it seems. Eric Edholm from Yahoo Sports. Eric, how are you? No, it just means I'm getting older, buddy. That's <laughs> really what that means. But, no, I'm doing great here. We're, we're, we're close to the season. I'll be there Thursday. I'm uh, soaking up a lot of college football. I'm doing a lot of draft stuff for Yahoo. So, yeah, that's uh, it's a good time of year. Has there ever been, in your opinion, a, a, a stranger cut-down day than yesterday? Just all the things the, the Texans did and some of the other things that happened yesterday? Well, yeah, I mean, even, I don't know, five, six years ago, it felt like player trades weren't that common. I mean, it right. seems like there's really been an uptick in those in recent years in general. But then to see, obviously, you know, two franchises sort of shapeshift so much, obviously the Miami Dolphins uh, being one of them, Houston Texans, the Seahawks part of uh, the clowny thing as well. And, yeah, I mean, some, some big moves. We saw Khalil Mack, I believe it was one year ago today, if I'm not mistaken, yep. but... You know, it's just it's exciting because everything changes, right? And there, there's a, a shift in, in what happens. But at the same time, you have to question what the what the Texans are kind of seeing long term, short term, what the Dolphins' vision is. It's it's there's some a lot of layers to these things. Let me ask you a question though, because I was talking earlier. I'm not a fan of tanking in any sport. But what the Miami yeah. Dolphins is doing is disgusting. Um, basically, anybody that can play for them is being dealt. I mean, Stills is gone. Tunsil's gone. Uh, Kiko Alonso traded uh, earlier today, I think, to New Orleans. And it just seems like they're saying, listen, we want to be as bad as possible. Now, in other sports, you know, it's done on a 12-player NBA team or a 25-player, sure. uh, you know, a 25-player MLB team. But how do you tank in the NFL with 53 guys you're going to say to go out there for 16 games and you're basically telling them by what you're doing, you're not trying to win? Yeah, it's a hard sell for the fan base, right? And this is a Dolphins team that, you know, one kind of magical year back in, what was it, 2002 or whatever it was, you know, has been has been really dormant for 20 yeah. years. I mean, they've just been stuck in this rut and they've had some – you know, some playoff appearances. They've had some eight and eight teams and that sort of thing. But I feel like they've been just kind of caught in this this middle lane here. They're not. They weren't in the right lane before going forty eight miles an hour, and they certainly weren't in the in the the passing lane. You know, doing what the Patriots and other teams have done. So they've just been caught in the middle. I'm not saying that I that I love the tanking, but I think they're going to sell it in a way that. Look, two things. First of all, their their draft hill for next year and the year beyond is going to be incredible, and they're going to be in a really good position. We see what the you know the Cleveland Browns are now, even with all the missteps along the way, all the wasted assets. The Browns appear poised to be the team that the Dolphins want to be in a year, two, or three years. There's that. There's also Brian Flores, the head coach, and I'll tell you what, I really don't think he's going to try to lose games as a coach. I just feel like talking to people around him, he's a first-year head coach. I think everybody knows that even first-year guys are, are vulnerable these days. 
he's going to go out there and try to win every single game he can. Does he have the talent to do it? No, but they're going to be a tough competitive team that's just really deficient on talent. So, you know, it's it's sort of a you know a conflicting idea there a little bit, but it is fascinating to see what they might be able to build in a couple of years, even with the short term looking kind of ugly. And the other extreme is, I mean, people are talking about what Houston did four trades yesterday, and you look at Houston. I'm as against tanking as I am. I'm all in. If Bill O'Brien wants to get as many guys as he can because he wants to concentrate on winning now, get someone to protect your quarterback. Get a guy to go on the other side of uh, you know Hopkins, and uh, you know. I have no problem with that. I think the Houston Texans fans, they wake up this morning, they're overjoyed. They're thrilled with what's going on. Some of them are. Some of them are. And I think the ones who sit there and say, yeah, it's great to have a Laramie Tunsil, right? It's good to be rid of the the clowny headache. But I think both situations could have been handled better months ago, right? I mean, this goes back to April with the draft. I mean, they're sitting there in a great position to get a guy in Andre Dillard who was slipping into the 20s that I thought should have been a top-15 pick, that all they needed to do was give up a fourth and a sixth-round pick, which is the price the Eagles pay to leapfrog the Texans and get a pretty darn good left tackle. Is Tunsil better now than Andre Dillard? Yes. But look at the cost difference. Multiple first-round picks and players and other, other selections involved. So, you know, it's like saying, well, we could patch the dam now and do a pretty good job of holding it for the next couple years, or we could let the flood happen and then build this steel trap that costs millions, right? right. <laughs> so it's like they, they had to overpay to do it. And the clowning situation, you know, not getting anything close to talent or, you know, a return on investment that's commensurate with, with his talent, I should say, that's a tough one to swallow, right? I mean, it's better than, you know, the, the Panthers letting Julius Peppers just walk scot-free a couple years back, but not by a ton, right? So, yes. They, they are in a position now to protect their quarterback. Huge, have to do it. It's a division where Andrew Luck is gone suddenly. We don't know what the Jags are. The Titans have maybe a quarterback situation looming. I get the urgency, but are they selling the farm to try to win this year at all costs? That's dangerous, especially without a GM there. There's there's been some reckless moves so far. Yeah, the one thing is though, you win a Super Bowl that that makes yeah. up for that makes up for another couple of years afterwards. So, I mean, if they can if they can get that far, obviously it's not that bad a thing. Uh, Eric Edholm from Yahoo Sports. Couple more questions about the league before we get to Bears and Packers coming up on a Thursday. Running backs. Chargers tell uh, Melvin Gordon, go ahead. Find a trade. We're we're yeah. not we're not too worried. And then on the other side, the Cowboys and Ezekiel Elliott. Do um, you think he'll be in uniform if not week one in week two? I think pretty well. Let's start with Elliott. I mean, it's it, it's not shocking to me that they've quote unquote made progress. You know, her quick you know development here in this in this situation that's been brewing for months. I mean, deadlines per actions. Whether we're talking about. You know, anything at the league level, or we're talking about contracts in a situation like this. And right. I think Jerry Jones is, you know, he has just spilled his emotions out into the media in this one. We've seen, you know, the reason it's gotten so much attention is that Jerry and Steven are talking about this thing every two or three days, and Jason Garrett's asked about it. So the frustration on their end has bubbled up. Zeke wants to play and wants to get that money, so you know he's sitting back there, sitting on his hands, ready to go. You know, he's still got some, some image repairing to do, right? He's had some sure. off-the-field incidents. So it's, it behooves both sides to make a deal. It doesn't really help Elliott 
to sit out the entire season. So that means he's skipping six games at the most. I suspect if it's not done tomorrow or the next day that we're still probably only talking about him missing a game or two. I think it's going to be rectified pretty early, and it could happen before the season. And then with Gordon, you know, you spilled it out perfectly. It was like, look, if you really think you can get the kind of money you're asking for from another team, by all means, go ahead and find it out. We've got Justin Jackson back there. We've got Austin Eckler. We'd love you here. We just don't think we or anybody else, any of the other 31 teams, are willing to pay that price. Yeah, he's he's scheduled to make five point six million this year, and uh, he'd like you know David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley money. Uh, you know, I understand, and especially running backs in the NFL, you look at those names there. David Johnson, uh, you know, got they only have a couple of years, but you know, five point six isn't you know you want to make sure you're playing somewhere, and um, I don't yeah. know, it's kind of weird. The same with Zeke. I mean. You know, I know he plays a lot. I know he's he's a big part of their offense, but he is scheduled to make some pretty good money the next two years, and he still wants more. But I guess they don't. You know, the word someone someone posted about a week or so ago. The one word, if you can get rid of one word in the world of sports, what would it be? And my mine was renegotiation. I would love <laughs> if that. I would love if that word never came up. The first person that ever renegotiated a contract, worst thing that ever happened to all the sports. But I know the yeah. I know the athletes don't feel that way. Well, and their thinking is, hey, if a team can cut us at any point, now granted, there's you know salary cap implications sure. and all that. You know, their thinking is, well, then why can't I renegotiate? Even in Elliott's situation where, like you said, he's got two years left, you know, the Cowboys say, well, we don't want to set a precedent. We don't want everybody who's two years removed from their contract being up to come up to us and, and ask for an extension. Look, there are exceptions to every rule, right? And they've clearly built this team around Elliott. That's the problem now is that he's kind of got him hamstrung a little bit. He's, you know, they, they, they created this team as much with Elliott in mind and right. what the offense would look like as they would Dak. So, you know, use your leverage whenever you can, I guess. Um, obviously, there's been so much talk about kickers because of the Bears situation. Bringing in nine guys, the way they did it, some people thought it was the wrong way to go about it, whatever. Um, they picked Eddie Pinero. He misses an extra point, makes three field goals. But Minnesota gives up a fifth-round pick, and now they cut the yeah. guy uh, in, in, in Kari Vedvik. And the Atlanta Falcons say, Matt Bryant, you're 44, but you don't really want to retire, do you? We can't find any better anybody better. Would you come back? And he says, yes. I mean, have, I don't think there's ever been an offseason where there's been this much kicker talk. Oh, it's it's crazy, right? And, and it's smart for the Ravens to always bring, you know, they have Justin Tucker, one of the best in the right. business, but they always seem to bring in, you know, and heck, the Patriots did this too. I mean, Robbie Gold was in New England for a training camp before he ended up in Chicago, but, you know, for years, they're all, they realized that, that, you know, a good kicker is still hard to find. And it is, you know, and yes, they are prone to misses. They are prone to having these little hiccups and situations like that, et cetera. But, you know, I thought since the minute that, you know, Cody Parkey missed that last kick, the Bears have have been a little bit extreme about this whole thing. It was hard to imagine him coming back, right? I, everybody understands right. that. But, you know, it, it also makes sense to not have it be this, this circus type of show that they seem to put on. But we, it may not matter, right? But, yeah, Kari Vedvik, the, the Ravens did an exceptional job of kind of building up the legend of Kari Vedvik. <laughs> like, oh, well, you, Justin Tucker's great, but we've got this kid here who's something special. To get a fifth-round pick for a guy they were going to cut is pretty amazing. And it's, Look, it's a fifth-round pick, right? But it's, right. But it's 
asset. It's an asset that they wouldn't have had otherwise. So credit to the Ravens. Shame on the Vikings who've now spent, you know, two fifth-round picks in, in the last two years on kickers who aren't on the roster. They drafted a long snapper, too. They had a punter a few years back that didn't make it. So, you know, drafting specialists is very tricky business. You better be darn sure you're getting something pretty special like Michael Dixon in Seattle or something. So, it's kickers, punters, it's the whole bit. It's just they're 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 a tricky asset to evaluate at times. Okay, Bears, Packers, obviously the longest rivalry in the National Football League, and you look at it, and it comes in with Aaron Rodgers and company. Uh, people, I've heard people, and you would know more maybe about the Packers than a lot of other people out there listening. I've heard people say the Packers could be threatening this year. Then I read an article from Forbes earlier this week from a writer who said, you know what, you Usually when the Packers have a new coach, they don't do very well. I expect them to have a slow start. What are your thoughts about Green Bay going forward as they come in on Thursday? Well, let's see. Their first new coach was 14 years ago. <laughs> exactly. So it is a, yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I have pretty high expectations for Green Bay this year. Now, a lot of what they do, obviously, is going to depend on how those young receivers, not named Devontae Adams, come along. You know, do they have the... the and that includes Aaron Jones in the backfield. Their development is going to be huge. Um, how the new system works with Rodgers, who's, who's making what decisions on what plays, that's going to be something to monitor. And then that young defense, too. Like Mike Pettin's now back for a second year, so that continuity is going to help. And they have a lot of second, third, and fourth-year guys, so I think are pretty darn good. The depth is nice. Where they lack it is at linebacker, but and maybe depth in the, on the D line too. But they've got some players. That secondary is maybe starting to come together a little bit. So this is not a Packers team I would sleep on. I don't think the Bears are. I think they recognize that you know you still have Aaron Rodgers, you have a chance. And oh by the way, we've you know maybe dismissed them a little bit too quickly because of all the young players they brought in the last couple of years. So. Even with their missteps, I think they're a dangerous opponent on Thursday. You've been uh, covering training camps, and you've been covering preseasons for a long time. How is it um, that you try to make a decision on how a guy like quarterback, for example, Mitchell Trubisky, uh, you don't hear a whole lot from other people, but then you hear reporters and writers and guys that cover the sports saying, well, he he had an off... He had an off practice. He didn't look good in yeah. practice. He's going up against his number one defense. How, I mean, how can you even look, not yourself individually, but how can people even look at what a guy does in practice and try to correlate it to what his start of the season is going to be? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I went up to Green Bay, just using them as an example. This would have been five, six years ago, right in the, you know, the, the near peak of Aaron Rodgers' power. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was playing at an MVP level. I went up there and he had three picks, and I thought, what's going on over here? <laughs> but you hear Rodgers talking about, hey, look, I'm trying some stuff in practice that I wouldn't normally try in games. This guy's got one of the lowest INT rates in, in league history. So, you know, you take that as an example and say, right, any, any national sports writer who drops in for one or two days of training camp practice and tries to make any kind of grand sweeping statements, look, it, it has to be taken with a grain of salt unless you're getting some information from the coaching staff or from the players and really get a feel for, hey, this guy's been doing it all spring. He's now carried it over in a training camp. He's legit. We could take that information and say, all right, there's something to it as opposed to, boy, I didn't like the way this guy looked in shorts and shells. You know, yeah. it really, there's not a lot of perspective. But, yeah, I mean, I, obviously with, with Trubisky, there seemed to be that kind of up and down, hot and cold, mediocre overall reports about how he played in camp. 
He's also facing a darn good defense. Let's, yeah. not, let's not cast that idea aside. So everything's relative. I just think the year Eli Manning won a Super Bowl the second time, he had some of the worst preseason stats you'll ever see. I mean, he had like one touchdown and seven picks. He was terrible. So, you know, completing 48% of his passes, people were saying, is it time to bench Eli? He won a Super Bowl that year. I, it's just, it's all something to be filed away in, in terms of, let's not put a whole lot of Right. Well, I think about it. I mean, uh, I follow the Niners a lot too. And one of the biggest, that biggest, uh, news notes about Jimmy Garoppolo is he threw five straight interceptions in practice. <laughs> I mean, now I watched the game, their third game, no, their, his second preseason game this year, and he looked miserable. He was thrown behind yeah. every single receiver, but then he came back after that in the next game and played well. Okay. Well, these are preseason games. You don't know who he's playing against. Um, I would think they're still trying to put things in. It's really difficult to in my opinion unless the guy is completely awful and you know and, and, and kind of like if you're watching if you're watching hard knocks and you see mike glennon um you know who's, yeah. who's bad in practice and in games so well then you kind of understand a little bit but it, I, I just think it's hard and i think this week's going to be so interesting and mitch has a lot on his shoulders because you know, people have told him, and I'm sure you're the quarterback of the Bears. You've got an offense. You're going to need to do some things. And uh, I think the way that Nagy works with him is going to be the most important. But, you know, Jay Cutler's name came up this week because, ooh, he's coming to the game. Big news. Um, but but you look at what Mitchell Trubisky has that Jay Cutler didn't have when you're told that your, number two, your top two receivers are going to be Hester and Johnny Knox as opposed to your receivers are going to be Taylor Gabriel and Miller and you've got Allen Robinson and things like that, Tariq Cohen. I mean, this should be per- – this sets up perfect for Mitchell Trubisky as long as he just – it seems like it's easy. Just follow the plan. Drop back, right. throw to the right guys, and you'll be a good quarterback, and the team's going to be really well. Um, what are your ex- expectations for this team, for Trubisky and the offense going forward? Because I think with the defense not making many changes, we have a pretty good idea what the defense is going to bring. Yeah, the only thing defensively that I think might change, I could see the turnovers going down. I mean, look, right. you know, I, I really believe Vic Fangio is a special coach. I really do. And I'm not saying Chuck Pagano isn't, but. I do think there is going to be a little bit of a period there where maybe the takeaways aren't quite as numerous as they were last year. And that was a big part. You know, think about the Vikings game. Mitch had a terrible game, but the defense just came up time and time again after those turnovers and really made huge stops. So they're going to do that thing again, I think. They're going to still be that defense that can, can save your bacon. So Mitch has another layer of security there, absolutely. He's in good hands with Matt Nagy. I think Nagy is the type of quarterback who's not going to ask his passer to do things that he can't do or that he's not as good at doing unless you're in a really desperate situation, down two scores late, what have you. So for 95% of games, Nagy's going to put him in good positions. Robinson, Miller, Gabriel, all those guys in their second years, the excitement over David Montgomery should be real. I think he's legit. The offensive line has continuity. There's, there's a lot to like about his situation. Now, do I think he's going to blow it up and be in an MVP conversation? Probably not. There's still holes in this game, but but I, I don't think he'll be terrible. I really don't. I, I don't think it's going to be – I think you're going to see a little bit more consistency in and just feel like there were certain games where he'd start hot, get cold, and then kind of warm up again in the fourth quarter – I just like to see him play a little steadier brand of football, drive to drive, game to game, month to month, and then 
you know, the formula is there for them to be really good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm eager to see what happens. I'm eager to see uh, how Tariq Cohen's going to be working. Heck, I'm eager to see Tariq Cohen. I, I mean, I, I saw him more on Twitter going to congratulate a guy that picked him first in this fantasy draft, and I saw him on the right. field. You know, you don't you don't see him much out there. So it's going to be fun when everybody sees the the players because you, you kind of forget about. Hey, there's Leonard Floyd. I forgot he was on the team because we haven't right. seen him all all uh, preseason. Uh, Eric, thanks a lot. It's great that we're finally in a season where we'll be able to talk about actual games on the yeah. field. Can't wait till Thursday and then next Sunday. Appreciate you jumping on all, anytime, and uh, it's always great to have you. Yep, just soaking it all up. Thank you for having me on. Have a great rest of the weekend. Thanks, Eric. Eric Edholm from Yahoo Sports. Great, great job over there. They do uh, so much great stuff, and you look at it, and it's so much fun. I'm so happy we can talk about what's going to happen in an individual game with actual players. Uh, no more of the preseason. And by the way, the Bears want to make sure they get, they got a press release just came out. Fans should practice using their mobile tickets ahead of time. The Bears are reminding all fans to arrive at and enter Soldier Field early for the kickoff. It's a 7.20 start. Anyone attending the game, prepare for street closures and traffic. Additionally, all fans should practice pulling up their mobile tickets on their mobile device prior to arriving at the stadium so they're ready when they get to the gates. Eric, I don't know if you've gone to many events with with mobile tickets, but yeah, every once in a while, if someone's got two or three, okay, I got four tickets. It's me and these three guys. you got to like... Try to send a ticket to their phones and everything else. So it's not easy, but it, it makes more sense for all these teams. No, it's, it's an, for the teams, it's a much easier thing. For the fans, if you're prepared, it's fine, but right. don't be that person in line when they ask for your ticket. All of a sudden, you're trying to unlock your phone. All of a sudden, oh, wait, where is it? Which email is it? Hold on, let me go back through my, be ready. Have Remember? it up. Remember the commercial a couple years ago where a guy got to the concert, uh, the concert admission, and his phone would load? Yes, and, and they didn't let him in. in. Yeah. Exactly. So Just you, have it up on your phone. If you need to, screenshot yeah. it and then have it right there. There you go. Uh, the parking lot's open at 320. Uh, gates open at 520 for the 720 uh, kickoff. And uh, the Bears and the Green Bay Packers will be all kinds of fun this coming uh this coming Thursday. Really quickly, let me get to the results of those Twitter polls. Either you can have America or I can get them. Um, I got them up. Okay. The, let's go with the two football Twitter. Uh, the three. Tanking in all sports. How did people vote on that? I just had good or bad. It was real simple. I'm not surprised by this. Over uh, three-fourths. So 77% said it's bad for all sports. Yeah. I think it's really bad for football. Um, and I think it's going to show throughout the course of the year. There'll be a lot more talk about how bad the Miami Dolphins are as we go forward. Um, we'll get to the, all the football ones and we'll do the Ben Zobrist. Um, Bears... Uh, the key to the Bears beating Green Bay will be either Trubisky in the offense or Mack in the defense. 63% say Trubisky in the offense. How surprising was that for it's you? It's not surprising, no? but I think, I personally, I would have gone the other way because so you're facing Aaron Rodgers. Because yeah. you're facing Aaron Rodgers, the defense is the most important thing. Especially period. like last year when you have it. Uh, and Bears MVP Thursday night between Trubisky, Mack, Cohen, or Panero? Uh, Mac won with 53%, Trubisky in second with 34%. Okay. Uh, ben Zobrist is playing for the Cubs, but not today. And uh, Joe Madden said that he may, he will not start tomorrow. My question was, Ben Zobrist's return will help the Cubs or have no impact? What'd they say? I just closed out. Hold on. Oh, I got it. I got it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I got 62% says help the Cubs. 
So we'll see. He's not start, He's not playing today. The Cubs with an all right-handed lineup against Gio Gonzalez and the Brewers. And in case you missed it, it's Tyler Chatwood starting today because there is right forearm tightness for you Darvish. So he is not starting today. He's actually been dealing with this for the last five starts. So he is not starting. Joe Madden said he's pretty confident that he'll miss just one game. Yesterday would have been a nice day for Ronaldo Lopez to have the day off. As a matter of fact, he only pitched two-thirds of an inning. We'll talk some White Sox baseball with Josh Nelson from the Sox Machine. We come back. Fred Huebner with you here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day. Chicago's Game Day with Fred Eubner on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Ah, that's just disgusting. And it has nothing to do with Chip Carey's call. Uh, nothing at all, I swear. Uh, highlights courtesy of um, the Braves. Oh, Fox Sports Atlanta. And uh, yeah, it was brutal. And they came back. It was 7-5. to five. The White Sox were trailing and then Russ Stetweiler came in. Then Kevin Herrera came in. The White Sox have given up 42 runs in the last five games. They've lost five in a row. That shouldn't surprise anybody. Fred Huebner back with you. And let's talk some White Sox baseball. Josh Nelson, Sox Machine. Josh, they, they take two out of three from the Twins. They take three out of four from Texas. Things should have been better, right, than these last five games? Well... <laughs> Fred, first of all, I can't believe they have you working on Labor Day weekend. Well, I'm I mean, working what tomorrow. Is going on? Yeah, I'm working tomorrow too. So there's there's no rest for <laughs> you know when you're a part timer. These holidays, everyone says have a nice holiday weekend. I said, well, you know where to find me. I'm here at nine to noon. Uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean this week has not been good for the Chicago White Sox, and they're clearly outclassed this week. Winning two out of three in Minneapolis was a shocker. Yep. And looking at the Texas Rangers in the second half, the Rangers are really scuffling. They're not the same team as the first half, very much like the White Sox. But this week against the Twins, who are who just broke uh, the major league record for most home runs in a season, and it's just now September, so they're going to probably have a good shot at getting over 300 home runs this season. And the Atlanta Braves are incredibly deep. They do have a weakness. Their bullpen is yep. not very good, and we are seeing that in this series against the White Sox. And that's why I don't think the Braves are that serious of a contender to win the National League pennant this year. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the White Sox are clearly outclassed. And when you look at the second-half numbers, Fred, I think there is some reason to be concerned about the current state of the rebuild for the White Sox because they're not necessarily ramping up to build more confidence like they were at, if you remember, before the All-Star break when they were just two games below five hundred, yep. and people were really feeling good about this White Sox team. Yeah, it's been real frustrating. You look at it, they were 12-14 and 14 in the March-April, 16-15 and 15 in May, 11-13 and 13 in June. But then July came around, seven and seventeen, fourteen and sixteen in August, and that's that's with five straight losses to end the month. So you know the the, the the most frustrating part I think for me as a White Sox fan, besides you know seeing Dylan Cease having one inning in every outing that just doesn't that leaves you wanting more, um, is that 
you've got guys that aren't going to be here for a while. You know, I'm not sure where Yolmer Sanchez is going to be, but I don't think when they get good, he's going to be there. Uh, Lurie Garcia, who thank goodness they've had him, but when you see him coming up when you're actually trying to do something, that's not working. I'm encouraged by certain things. Um, people, uh-huh. Eloy Jimenez hasn't have a homer in the last three games, but he's got seven hits. I'm uh-huh. encouraged by that. I'm encouraged by a guy like Eloy working and not necessarily hitting ground balls all the time. That's a good thing. There is some encouraging stuff, but, you know, I guess should we just learn and be patient after what we saw from Moncada and Giolito last year when you look at guys like Cease and other people? Yeah, I mean, with Dylan Cease, it is a rough learning experience, but I think it's been valuable for him because he's going to take what hasn't been working this year because clearly in AAA and AA, he can get away throwing two pitches. But we knew that he would not be able to use that same strategy in the major leagues, that he had to learn how to re, uh, define a, a third pitch. And he's learning the harsh lessons of that, which is fine, because this was not a year that fans or media were expecting the White Sox to win. So right. let him take his lumps this season. And with Aloy Jimenez, I mean, there's just a lot going on now. Now you're hearing things from, like, Todd Severson saying they may have to make an adjustment in his batting stance. Uh, I, I don't want to hear that. I'm not a big fan of that. No. Yeah, I don't want to hear that. But it is pretty clear in StatCast data that he has troubles with pitches in the lower third where he continues to hit grounders, and he has a trouble lifting the, the ball. Uh, on any pitch that's located in the lower third of the strike zone. He is having some trouble with velocity up in the zone, and, of course, the sliders away uh, is one of his weaknesses, and it seems to be a common weakness for a lot of White Sox hitters. But something that you touched on, honestly, Fred, for the rest of this year in September, we should be watching Wally Castillo. We should not be watching Yomer Sanchez. We shouldn't be watching Ryan Goings. Uh, we should be watching Zach Collins and Yerma Mercedes, and I say even call up Nick Magical if you really want to, to start giving him that experience if you think he's going to realistically compete for the starting job in 2020. We shouldn't be watching Adam Engel in center field. It should be Luis Robert, because the White Sox need to get some answers and also provide some situations for these young guys so they have an understanding of what it takes to be successful in the major leagues. So they can go into the offseason, know what they have to work on, and they could hit the ground running in spring training. I do not understand Rick Hahn's logic when it comes to handling the 25- and 40-man rosters at this point in the rebuild. He just seems to be content to continue to have Castillo play every other day and continue to trot out Yomer Sanchez's 325 slugging percentage and just play out the rest of the year rather than trying to find answers for himself, he is not being very proactive in trying to give these young kids an opportunity so he can be a little bit more confident in his decision-making over the offseason whether or not this White Sox team could be a dark horse contender in 2020. To me, it seems like he's sitting on his hands and he's using the excuse of the Charlotte Knights postseason run to even delay this another week. And that's another thing. If you have callers asking who's going to be called up (laughs) for the White Sox after September 1st, I'm going to tell you no one at the moment until the night season is done. And if they make it into the postseason, they have a one-game lead in the wild card, the White Sox may not get reinforcements for another week. Now imagine you're Rick Renteria. Fred. Right. And your bullpen has been spent because the starters are hitting a rough patch. And now you're hearing that you may not get reinforcements right away. 
that's got to be frustrating within the clubhouse itself. So there's a lot of questions that need to be directed to Rick Hahn, and Rick Hahn needs to start providing direct answers uh, because he's not exactly instilling confidence going into 2020. I will put a line through my uh, Wellington Castillo because I agree with you. I don't, I don't ever really ever need to see him again. I don't care if he is a three-run homer coming into pinch hit or not. I, I don't need to see him um, bring up anybody. I mean, I don't care if it's not Zach Collins. If it's another catcher, that's fine. Um, Zach Collins, I kind of understood Rick Khan's explanation about Zach Collins. He was up. We we saw what we saw. He was good behind the plate the one or two or three games that he was there. Mm-hmm. And we taught him, showed him some things in his swing, and he actually used them. And he actually improved when he went down to Charlotte. I, I, I kind of understood that one. That one I'm not as upset about because he had his taste. I think we've seen what we're going to get from him. Um, but the other guys, the Lewis Robert, I'm, you know, I agree with everything you said. I wasn't, I'm not as passionate about it as you are because I think when they're ready, they'll be up. But yeah, what's, what's the difference if you bring them up now? They will have to learn how to be a major leaguer, um, locker room stuff, be with the guys, all that kind of thing. And I think this is a perfect time to do it in the month of September. That's what it's for. Plus, you won't be doing these things in years. To, you know, in the, this is the last right. year you can do this stuff. So, right. You are right on the head, Fred. Last, next year, it is 20 man, 28 man rosters. Yeah. And you know you're going to be adding a reliever. So that gives you two more spots. Right. I mean, are you going to reserve one for Andrew Vaughn maybe? Uh, it, it, that makes it really tricky on how teams are going to handle September next year. So this is your last opportunity. Why not take advantage of it? And yes, there are fans that will say seven is greater than six. But yeah. my counter-argument to that is why is everyone so concerned about 2026 Who's going to be the owner of the Chicago White Sox in 2026, Fred? Right. Is Rick Hahn still going to have a job in sure. 2026? Is Rick Renteria the manager in 2026? Well, here's and here's, uh, here's here's the other thing, too. There's a good chance that by then this whole rule will have changed, right? Exactly. Yeah, the CBA resets yeah. after the 2021 season. Yeah. Uh, so nobody really knows how much control you will have of the players that are currently on your roster. So I say give him the shot. I even say give Nick Magical the shot as well. If you do think that if you're not confident in Yomer Sanchez, and I'm not, I'd no. be surprised if he's tendered a contract uh, after this year. Uh, then if you think Magical's got a shot at being your starting second baseman in 2020, give him that cup of coffee now. Okay, one last thing, and I just thought about this yesterday. Uh, I love what Yohan Moncada has been doing. I like him at third base also. He seems comfortable. I like, for the most part, his throws from third. Um, He seems very comfortable. Does that mean that the White Sox can't go after Anthony Rendon? The White Sox will not be going after Anthony (laughs) Rendon because Anthony Rendon is going to require a $200 million contract. And right now, if the White Sox had to give one $200 million contract to someone, they probably want to go after Garrett Cole to help shore up the starting pitching rotation. Is that enough, so I, though, for Garrett Cole? Well, I don't. <laughs> I, I, I doubt it, too. Right. I mean, Fred, how long have you been talking Chicago sports? Way, I mean, way too you, long. Have you ever known Jerry Reinsdorf to be willing to commit that type of cash to one player that's not Derrick Rose or Michael Jordan? Well, especially not a pitcher. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, the last big deal was John Danks, and that was like five years, $50 million. Uh, and and they have regret about that. And five, mil- five years, $50 million is like 
average road, like right down the middle of the road type of free agent signing. I mean, Lance Lynn signed for three years, $30 million last year, and nobody really considers him an ace, even though he's pitched really well this season. So, yes, I mean, if the White Sox are going to go after a big-ticket free agent, it's going to be Garrett Cole. I don't seriously think they're going to be going after Anthony Rendon. And if they are active this offseason, it is going to be more of the middle-tier guys. I just hope they stay away from the Clarence aisle because the John Jays and even trading for Yonder Alonso. I agree. These deals do not work, and no. they have repeatedly not worked for the White Sox. No, one of these days uh, when we're not on the radio, I'll explain to you why I don't like John Danks, and you'll you will laugh. Um, but you'll you'll be you'll you'll have a nervous laughter. But I I don't want to mention it on the air right now. So we'll we'll get to that. I know Eric, my producer, already I think knows this one. So, uh, but I'll let you know about that. Uh, I appreciate you having on. We'll see what it is that the uh, White Sox do call up on their September first. And like you said, it could be a very quiet day. There might be nobody helping Ricky Renteria in Atlanta. No problem. Thanks, Fred. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks, Josh. Josh Nelson from the Sox Machine. They do great, great stuff over there. They have great podcasts. Him and Jim Margulis, they do a great, great job. Check them out on their podcast. Really quickly, um, Ben Zobrist, back with the Cubs. He's not in the lineup today, likely will not start tomorrow. He is. Uh, he was not sure he'd ever come back to play the game. Didn't know if I'd come back at all, um, you know, just because, you know, not sure how much more baseball I'm I'm going to be playing anyway. So, uh, but you know the timing is right for me to be here now, and, and I feel good about that. Um, I feel good about um, just doing what I can to help the club down the stretch here, and, and hopefully push into the playoffs, and then um, a lot further than that. Boy, and he also hit one out in batting practice. You can get that to be excited about. We come back quickly. Chicago Fire, their season's wrapping up. They got uh, several games left, and they had a nice one yesterday. We'll talk about that when we come back. Fred Huebner with you on ESPN 1000. It's Chicago Fire news, and the Chicago Fire yesterday had a big game for them. Uh, They were playing Columbus in Columbus, and uh, the Fire season winding down, and the playoffs are still a possibility. A remote possibility, but still a possibility. Uh, the fire went down one nothing. Pedro Santos scoring for Columbus in the 27th minute. And uh, they get to stoppage time. They get to 90 minutes. The fire still cannot get a goal. They're down one nothing. And then in the 94th minute, Frankowski with a goal on a nice pass from Alexander Katai. The fire tie it, and they get a point. You go to Columbus, you get a point. So right now... After the Fire have played 30 games in a 34-game season, they have 34 points. They're four points behind the seventh-ranked team in the Eastern Conference. That's Toronto. The problem is Toronto's only played 28 games. The Fire's played 30. So Toronto with two games in hand. New England has 39 points. They're five ahead of the Fire. They've played 28 games. They're two games in hand on the fire. So the fire really are going to be struggling to try to get victories. They need wins, not draws, not losses. They need wins. And the remaining schedule for the fire, they got two weeks off now. It's a weird schedule. Uh, no game next week. Maybe they knew that it was the first week of the NFL and they just didn't want to go up against it. But then the fire play at home Saturday, September 14th against FC Dallas. Won't be easy. Then they go to Cincinnati, an expansion team, not much to play for. You get to see Andrew Gutman, who decided to sign with Celtic, and now he's on loan with FC Cincinnati. 
Um, then the fire back home, their final home game at SeatGeek Stadium, Sunday, September 29th at 4 o'clock. Wrap up the season with Orlando. Uh, three very, very winnable games. Let's see what they can do. They need victories. Not sure if they're going to be able to get them. So uh, the fire, you'd hate to be out of the playoffs one more time than the uh, future for Velko Panovich, Nelson Rodriguez. Who knows what would happen? Plus, it appears next year they'll be playing at Soldier Field. So I guess some of you can get excited about that. Almost forgot about the Cody Whitehair news. He gets a nice five-year extension with the Chicago Bears. Busy news day on a uh, Sunday. Thanks to everybody for listening. I have an enjoyable Labor Day weekend. I'll be back again tomorrow talking a lot of Bears. They practice today. We'll hear from Nagy. We'll hear from Trubisky. Thanks to Eric Ostrowski, all of his help, and you for listening right here on ESPN 1000.